In Colorado, there is only one place that has the best selection of collectibles, Colorado Coins, Cards, and Comics. For over 27 years, Colorado Coins, Cards, and Comics has been the ultimate destination for collectors. They have a wide selection of hard-to-find coins, action figures, role-playing cards. You can go over there and get yourself a copy of Dominion uh, and sports memorabilia. Hey, Peyton Manning's a Bronco. I was there yesterday. They have a signed Peyton Manning jersey. And, of course, they've got comics, which is what I go there for. All their back issues are half off. On Saturday, all dollar issues are only 50 cents. And if you sign up for a hold slot, you'll get 20% off graphic novels and comics. So stop by 6700 Wadsworth Boulevard in Arvada, Colorado, and tell them the real nerd sent you. Comic-Con, Episode 4, Fans Hope. Do you love comics, but can't go to Comic-Con? Look no further, because Comic-Con is coming to Colorado. Come have an in-depth look at what goes on inside Comic-Con. All of the good, the bad, and the geeky, right there on the big screen. You even have the opportunity to purchase exclusive items. The only catch is that this event will happen only if the event reaches its attendance threshold. So what are you waiting for? You know you want to be a part of something amazingly awesome? Go and reserve your tickets today. For tickets, go to www.tugg.com slash events slash 703. Hey everybody, Ryan from Real Nerds here. I'm here with my good friend Joe of Birdman Barbecue. Joe, why don't you give us a little bit of history of Birdman Barbecue? Well, actually, it's a family recipe been passed down uh, for, uh, for generations. My wife's dad has it now, and uh, we're just now starting to bottle it up. We've got two different flavors, uh, original and spicy, so if you want a nice kick to the back of your throat, try that spicy. And now we've also got a rub, too. So uh, You know, Joe, I have to be honest. I love the spicy barbecue, and if you... Put your rub on burgers with a spicy barbecue. Off the chain. I'm glad that you're being honest, Ryan, because that's what we like is off the chain. You know, Thank you I'm, for trying that. I'm so glad that you like that I said off the chain because what's even more off the chain is you guys go around Colorado and other places and you actually enter in contests for your barbecue sauce if you want anything. Uh, yeah, I mean, we... Uh we, we've entered our sauce in quite a few contests, uh, and actually we, we uh, got second place uh, in the Frisco Barbecue Competition. So for our sauce, just the sauce, that's, that's, that's pretty cool. We've also won you know different categories for side items and different things like that, but the sauce winning was, was the crowning, crowning achievement. And you know what's so sure. cool about being in Colorado is I can go to places around town to pick up the sauce. Where can I get yeah, the sauce? Go to your local area Ace Hardware stores. Uh, check out Ruff's Barbecue in Golden. Uh, we're, and then check out your local festivals, uh, Frisco, Dillon. We're uh, hitting up all those this year. So, And also, I know, too, you also run contests on your Facebook page. If you get a certain amount of likes, you always do a free drawing for a free bottle of barbecue sauce. Where can we find you on Facebook? Absolutely. It's uh, birdmanbbq.com. Or on Facebook, I guess. It's just Bird- birdmanbbq on Facebook. Uh, check it out. Uh, yeah, every hundred likes that we get we uh enter everybody that likes us into a drawing for a bucket of barbecue which is a a bottle of each sauce and one of our rubs so awesome so yeah make sure you like birdman barbecue check out joe when he's doing little things around town with frisco and winning competitions you know what the barbecue sauce is delicious Welcome to Real Nerds. I am Ryan. To my left is James. And in front of me, kind of, is Brad. Welcome to another exciting episode of 
real nerds. God, it's, it feels so weird because I have been interviewing so many people this weekend at Comic-Con that doing our actual podcast yeah. now is kind of just just sitting very foreign talking about <laughs> yeah. movies is yeah. like oh yeah, i remember this man gotta get gotta get back into the mindset and there, there will probably never be an episode where we are as tired as we are right now uh, we literally yeah. just got out uh, you know got out of the con a couple hours ago went and saw a movie and now after all of that episode. yeah especially after all of that yeah um, oh man and how amazing was it? I mean, oh, we're going to talk about it. We're going to have a review at the end of this episode, but we can just say yeah. stick for stick around because there's amazing stuff coming up. Oh yeah, there's. Uh, we should, I guess, when we, you know what? Let's unspool some real news, and I'll tell you what you can look forward to in our interviews. It's real news. The coolest thing about being at Comic-Con was we went in with not really knowing what was going on. We went in and we had a hard time even getting through the guy on the loading docks to unload our podcast <laughs> yeah. at uh, the Denver Comic-Con. It was really cliche because like, we got there and he had a clipboard with a list of names on it and literally said the phrase, well, your name's not on the list to us. And we were yeah. like, well... Uh, then whose names are on the list? Yeah, we're uh, we're with uh, Marvel. Yeah. Uh, so go ahead and let us up. <laughs> oh, but yeah. no, it, it was really surreal. Um, I won't spend too much time on it because we we record a little bit after the con today. Yeah. So you can listen to our recap. But anyways, uh, so I mean, it started really weird. I mean, no one knew who we were. We went in there, and when we got to Podcast Peak, there was no one there. Yeah. And so we set up our booth, but. Um, or attempted to. We got the media passes, and we, you know, we were setting up as well as we could. And then finally, after a little bit, people started coming by and saying, "Oh, hey, you guys are really the only ones who confirmed podcast coming here." And so we were kind of excited. And even before the con started, me and James were walking around, and then you kind of branched off. And I, I don't know where I went, but we went. You went right, and I went left. And mm. uh, and you came back. When I came back to the booth, uh, like a giddy as a schoolgirl, <laughs> and this is even before the con even started, and this is true. And James is going, "Oh my god, oh my god, I just met Rebecca Isaacs, oh my god." I and, was, uh, uh, I was a little bit smitten. It, yeah, I, I will admit it's okay. And Rebecca Isaacs, for our listeners, and if you were, you know, following us on Twitter, she's the artist on Angel and Faith, and she does an amazing job. If you haven't picked up that book, James has told you it's his favorite ongoing series. Make sure you pick it up. Uh, and then when you went back and you said, oh, you should come over and meet her with me. I said, okay, because you had books for her to sign oh, yeah. before the con even come started. right back over and get stuff signed. So we went back over there and I met her and she's very nice, a, yeah. a very nice young lady, which, by the way, you can listen to an exclusive interview with Rebecca Isaacs on Real Nerds Podcast. Yeah. Uh, we will tweet when that actually happens. Brad has to go through 20-something interviews yeah, to get there's there. There's going to be a whole lot of content coming out and it's going to take a little bit to uh to actually get it done but it you know it'll be in the feed eventually for sure but the cool thing is is when we were talking to rebecca we were talking to her and then we looked to the left and george's jaunty was right there the artist of buffy the vampire slayer and that uh, kind of like two tables down no right right, next, right next to her they were right next door and we told him oh we you know we really like buffy too and through that you know we said hey if you want to talk on our podcast you should come by and they said yes yeah, he was so nice from the very beginning. Yeah, and it's one of those weird things where people might just say yes, so you leave them alone. You know what I mean? Right. But they seemed really genuine. Yeah. And then 
Lo and behold, the next day, here comes Rebecca Isaacs to our podcast table. Not even yeah. we went to her to do it. Um, but I guess I should back up, too, because we actually scored an exclusive interview that's really amazing. Um, we went to the open house at Mile High Comics the night before. And completely unaware to me, you or Brad, is Michael Uslin was there. And Who Michael Uslin is the uh, producer of all the Batman movies, not just... Are you okay? You're stumbling a lot. <laughs> no, I'm fine. And the Michael Uslin was the producer of all the Batman films, even going back to 1989. Yeah. And he was there talking about his book, The Boy Who Loved Batman. And when he was telling the story, we all kind of got into it. And he talked to Brad beforehand. I said, Brad, yeah. ask him to be on our podcast. And Brad said, no, no, there's no way he would ever do it. He, <laughs> he wouldn't do it. Yeah. And I said, eh, whatever. Well, we, we can ask him. Maybe he'll do it. He seems like he's a pretty nice guy. And, you know, of course, we didn't think he would do it. And so me and Brad went over there and... We both decided we were going to purchase his book, and he signed a really cool... Not just to get the interview, of course. Yeah, like not I, to get I the interview. Yeah, because the story was so yeah, cool. I'd, I'd been meaning to get it. It's just it, this opportunity arose where it's right here with the actual author, so I was like, yeah. Yeah, time to do it. Yeah, and he was so nice, and his stories were so cool that he was telling us. You kind of had to get the book because yeah. what he was saying, you know? So uh, Brad went over there, and he got in line first, and he personalized his book, and it was really cool. And the book, he if you get a personalized autograph from um, Michael Uslin, it's uh, Batman's emblem with his name signed in it. And he personalized it. And he puts a couple sentences and saying good luck or whatever he says, or best bat wishes, I think it is. <laughs> and he was really nice, and he was talking to him. And I went up there, and I said, uh, Michael Uslin, it's really nice to meet you. You know, uh, I mean, I didn't know of him the way that he is. I knew, you know, a Batman producer. But anyways, so he was... Uh, so I was talking to him, and I said, hey, was there any chance you would – we're both going to the con. You want to help out a local podcast that really likes comic books? And he said, oh, yeah, I would love to do that. that that's, that'd be cool. And, of course, in your mind, you're saying, oh, he's just probably, probably being really nice to us. He said, why don't you get in contact with me? I have a panel on Friday. Saturday. Saturday. And afterwards, come and c- catch me, and then we'll set up a time where we can do it. And he said, oh, okay, yeah, you know, we'll do that because uh, you know, we'll go see your panel, whatever. Yeah. And – so then Brad asked him about Batman and Robin and <laughs> a couple other things, but we won't repeat it because if you want to, you can pick up his book and he'll explain it in there or you can listen to something that we're going to post later. Exactly. Because we, we because have that interview. We, and we, I mean, we can say, yeah, uh, we're, we're going to tease it uh, a couple episodes from now. Hopefully we'll get a little teaser going, but we're going to save it till the Dark Knight Rises episode. We d- and then in, in that one, you'll actually get to listen to everything that he told us uh, about that movie and about just Batman in the last 30 years and what that's been like. Exactly. And, and by saying that, you just skipped over the cool part of the story. Yeah, right? you I was totally trying to tell. skipped oh, over sorry. my cool part of my story. So me and Brad went to his panel. Uh, his panel. And before his panel, we went to it. Before it was like digital comics or something. So we yeah. wanted to get there a little early. So we got, I don't know, 10, 15 minutes early. Mm-hmm. And we sat down and we're just hanging out. And Brad's just... Uh, he was writing on his notepad, and he looks kind of too... I was preparing questions just in case we... Exactly. Because uh, he, he didn't remember the interview or something. And Yeah, like, he wanted to get, you know, questions while he was talking to us. and yeah, I wanted to listen to his panel to see, like, I don't want to ask him something I already know. It sounds disingenuous. So yeah. I was like, yeah. okay, cross this off if he says this during the presentation. So so we were doing that, and Brad looks to his right, and he says, oh, there, there's Michael Uslan. He's coming right in. Like, oh, cool, yeah, there he is. And me and Brad were in the front row. And he keeps and walking he and walking. He kept on walking up, walking up, took a left, um, sat down right next to me. <laughs> and I said, hey, Michael, do you remember? He's like, oh, yeah, I'm doing your podcast today. <laughs> 
unbelievable. Dude, unbelievable. And he said, I said, oh, if you still have time. He says, oh, yeah, I'm doing a book signing. Um, I have another panel at 5. My book signing's till 4.30. Why don't you meet me at my booth at 4, and then you guys can set up, and then I'll give you guys an interview. And, and then you just do this. <laughs> I, I dropped, dropped the mic. I dropped the mic. <laughs> because it, it, not only is he really important in comic books, producing-wise, but he's just a really nice guy, and he has such enthusiasm for Batman that it was really cool. And and the fact that he not like totally remembered you. Ex- and you he, know? he remembered us. Because he, he was, was seemingly excited to actually do that. In his yeah, head, he penciled the, into the his head thing. that he yeah. had a, a specific job to do with us the next day. Exactly. Yeah. And if you listen to his story, which you should really pick up his book, and you'll hear our interview with him. But one of the main things he's always said is, if you see any door, take the opportunity and so I think he kind of saw, and he's like, I'll give these guys an opportunity yeah. to be, you know, to interview me. And we got about 15, no, a little less than 15 minutes um, with him. And he was really nice and really gracious. And he was a really fun interview. Uh, yeah. Unfortunately, he's a great public speaker. Right? Yeah. Unfortunately, Brad couldn't do He's a big Batman fan. We just didn't have enough time for us to both ask questions. Yeah. So I kind of sat down and asked him the questions that Brad wrote. I really looked off what Brad wrote and asked him the questions. Yeah. I would just sit there and stutter and waste time. So, <laughs> and But Brad did ask him a couple great questions. Yeah. And I put Brad on the spot because I wanted Brad to get in his words with Michael yeah. Uslan because yeah. he's such a huge fan of Batman. Yeah. Um, but you don't have to be a fan of Batman to like his book. And you don't have to be a fan of Batman to listen to him speak. Yeah. He also talks about Marvel stuff because he collects all kinds of comics and he has a rich history with both uh, like all across the industry, even independent stuff. So so the thing I will tell you is next week, or you're, you're probably not going to have time to put in this week, but next week we will have him teasing why Bane is in The Dark Knight Rises. And then mm-hmm. on July 20th, when we post our review of The Dark Knight well, Rises, we'll have the whole interview. A few days after that. Well, yeah, a few yeah. days after. Yeah. But when we see The Dark Knight Rises and we th- the podcast is available for you to download, we'll have our exclusive interview with Michael Uslin, producer of Batman. Not just producer, executive producer of Batman. He's more, he's more like the, the sort of warden of movie Actually, rights. he's the godfather. He's the godfather of modern comic book movies. Oh, absolutely. Um, he sa- I, I kind of said it at the beginning, but he made it cooler when he said it. Yeah. Uh, because I told him, I said, oh, you know, we wouldn't even have anything without you. Because I, I might not yeah. be the biggest fan of the 89 Batman but you still respect it for what it was, and I mean, there's still cool parts in it. Don't it, get me wrong. It definitely transformed the, the uh, reception towards yeah. comic book movies, and not only that, and to resurrect it with the Batman he always wanted to see, the Dark Batman in the Christopher Nolan universe, yeah. was really cool. And he has some cool little stories. Um, I wish we could have him on for three hours because <laughs> I could just sit there and listen to him talk. Yeah. Um, but he he has shared with us some cool stories, some exclusive stories with us. But if you can't wait to, for our podcast, uh, most of it's in his book, which yeah. you should go check and out. The, the Boy is, Who Loved Batman. The Boy Who Loved Batman. The book is beautiful. Yeah, it's yeah. it's got all these uh, art scans of classic books, and uh, it's a, I normally don't laugh out loud when I read stuff, but he's got some really funny stuff in there. And I will tease you this too about his interview. He tells us why the Joker was uh, Mike uh, Jack Nicholson was cast as the Joker. Um, and what he saw as the Joker. And it's a really cool story. So stay tuned for that. Yeah. Um, Don't say too much. No. <laughs> stay tuned for that. Well, So Bane next week, his answer for my Bane question. Maybe. Then, maybe. Then the full interview. Def- two weeks. The full interview definitely during The Dark Knight Rises. And yeah. then Rebecca Isaacs and George's, George's Gianti and Zach Howard, they'll be sprinkled about Well, through I, the f- next few weeks. What? Are we, are, well, are, are we going to try and have an episode that is just those three interviews together? Yeah. Yeah. 
well, what he'll do is he'll put them in our regular show, and then we'll make oh, one okay. show with just all our. Once they're all okay. released, we'll have one show that's just you know all our celebrity interviews. Cool. Yeah. Um, yeah. The big Comic Con interview show. Yeah. So uh, now we're now I kind of tease that stuff. Let's go back to our movie podcast. <laughs> the um, real, real news. The real, real news. Real, real I had news. a lot of fun this week at Comic Con. Please stay tuned for all our other interviews yeah. with I, I, fans because we have those too. And stay tuned to the end of this podcast because we are going to do a drawing. For all the stuff we are giving away at the Comic-Con. If you put your name in the hat at Comic-Con with your email address, we will draw your name live on our... Live, in quotation marks, on our show. <laughs> and you can win the barbecue sauce, the movie ticket, the still book Dark Knight, or the still book, still book Sherlock Holmes. So stay tuned for the end for that. And James, how about we have some movie news? Um... Well, first, first we've got the uh, box, office. box office numbers. Oh, we do have box office numbers. Yeah. See, I don't even know what I'm doing anymore. <laughs> <laughs> Where it's all just a world. Um, dude, so a I long host, time ago. I, I, met, yeah. I met one of my heroes. Is you know, I ho- I did the panel with James Marsters. So I'm yeah. frazzled. Dude. Um, so Tell me the number it. one movie last week is not Prometheus. Unfortunately, it was Madagascar. Mm-hmm. Did sixty million. Uh, Prometheus came in second with fifty one million, which isn't too bad for an R rated sci fi yeah, movie. Yeah, absolutely. And it held up really well and, this week. So and one. Uh, I'm going to save this and talk about it next week, but I will say it's not too bad for a movie that has as uh, poisonous a small community of naysayers on the internet as it yep, does. I agree. There, are, there is, I, I think, a minority of people who really are outspoken about how much they hate this movie and in, I think, an inappropriate way. But we will talk about it next week. Um, also, next week on Blu-ray for some releases, Big Miracles comes out as the Drew Barrymore well movie project x which i'll never see is like the kid party movie like yeah. from the producer of hangover or whatever it was um the movie actually i think that was uh really good that should have done better uh wanderlust it also comes out um next week and also kind of an indie movie that me and brad saw me kind of liked it is jeff who lives at home yeah. Also comes out next week. Uh, we also get um, two of the FX shows, uh, Wilfred and uh, Season 2 of Louie come out on this oh, Tuesday, nice. which uh, are fantastic. Man, Season 2 of Louie is unbelievable. That's one of the greatest shows of last year. That's what sure. I keep on hearing. Uh, actually, I one of the best romances I have seen on television, or at least one of the bo- most romantic ex- episodes I've seen on television. Anyway, Very I nice. think I talked about it when it happened. Cool. So what... News do we have this week, James? Well, we've got some DVDs that are getting released as well. Oh, no, we just did that. Just I just did that. that. I'm sorry. Look how I'm frazzled we are. Yeah, it's yeah, insane. It's absolutely Comic-Con's insane. Comic-Con's ruined us. Um, <laughs> <laughs> it totally has. Uh, Ray Bradbury died. Mm-hmm. Sad news. We're going to start with the saddest news. You always have sad news. Up. You never tell me uplifting news. Well, you know... Uh, James, I want you to scour the internet and find something it's that's a, it's a dark. It's a dark Would you guys like a joke to uplift you? Um, well, let's see. What's yes. the last news we're talking about? Is that fun? Okay, yeah. There's some fun news coming. Ray but I'm going to start with there you go. some dark, dark shit. Um, so, yeah. Ray Bradbury died. That sucks. Fahrenheit 451. Classic. Uh, the Martian Chronicles. Uh, yeah, it's really a shame. I sort of, sort of in honor of him, I I picked up an EC Comics uh, crime suspense stories that's got a story based on Ray Bradbury in it. I saw it and I was just like, I, had, I have to have that. That's it was it was too cool. Um, and yeah, it's it's really a shame. But he was, you know, he was old and he'd lived he a, a really good life. He was so. and wrote some great stories. Yeah, absolutely. Um, Brett Easton Ellis uh, wants to adapt Fifty Shades of Grey into a movie. Do you guys know anything about this? He, you know I know he wrote Fifty American Shades Psycho. Of, yeah. yeah, but do you I know read what, that book? Not that good. Do you know what Fifty Shades of Grey is? Yeah, yep. it's 
the like s- super erotic. I mean, it's it's a trashy romance novel. Like yeah. they use the word member and shit. Um, With the Twilight though, like uh, yeah, you, I mean it, it's hitting the same Twilight audiences and it's just exploding for some stupid reason. Mm. Well, I mean, for a very specific. Very I haven't read it, reason. but I feel like it's um, the content inside would not we would not find shocking at all it's probably anything we've ever heard in a kevin smith movie but yeah. i think to people <laughs> who just picked up this classy looking book and started reading it and were yeah. introduced to a world they'd never even seen before or read before it seems shocking to them yeah i mean that's I where it's press and publicity come from i, I have heard <laughs> parts of it and it is you know i don't want to say borderline pornographic or but it, it's along those lines i mean it's a, it's a it's a trashy erotic romance novel like um, but when they put it on screen, it's not going to have any of that in it. So it's just going to have to stand on the the legs of its actual story and characters. And I don't know anything about the book, but I'm going to assume that that won't actually hold up. Um, it's weird that Brett Easton Ellis got involved. There was rumors last week about Angelina Jolie wanting to do it, but just uh, the fact that this is a thing, man. I don't even. This I'll, I'll tell you this. I won't drag you guys to this one. Oh, I bet we, you will. I'm not you saying son we're, of a bitch. <laughs> I'm not saying we won't end up seeing it, but I won't Mr. drag you Sadist. to it the way that I did Twilight or will Twilight again. Um, and I think the last bit of sad news is, uh, or interesting for sure. We, last week we talked about World War Z and sort of the things that were going wrong with it. The fact that they're... That was only last th- week? Fuck. Yeah, I know. Seems so long ago. Um, uh, the, the fact that they're going back and doing seven weeks of, of reshoots with mm-hmm. Damon Lindelof's new script. Uh, and... Some news came out this week uh, uh, from some insiders there uh, that that points to maybe what that is. Um, and the the big one is that Mark Foster, who is the uh, or Forster, I should say, who's the director, uh, was the director of Monsters Ball, the director of Quant- Quantum of Solace. Mm-hmm. Um, not, I don't think the the best track record of movies, in my opinion. Um, we, this was the first time he'd done anything like this, and it sounds like he didn't have a real clear vision, and so he sort of delegated things to other people, and then when it all came together, and, and with a real compact shoot schedule, it all just sort of started to fall apart. Um, there just wasn't somebody running the whole ship, and that that is a, a big part of why it's not working. Yeah, I think um, I read the article where they said the first like hour or so is amazing. And then it just falls apart in the third act. Man, which is just, that is a, a cry and shame. Because mm-hmm. having having a third act that's good on two acts of, of bad movie can make up for a movie. But uh, oh, yeah, build the- it, building a lot of goodwill and then throwing it away in the last act is actually exactly how I felt about Quantum of Solace. So <laughs> maybe I shouldn't, uh, maybe I, sh- I shouldn't be surprised. Um, did you guys know that Moby Dick is the new asteroid you know, I, you, you know, there's this thing that happens every few years where a movie comes out like about asteroids, and then another movie comes out about asteroids, yeah. and we're like, wait, or why this are all year's Snow White? Asteroids? Yeah, yeah, this Snow is your Snow White. Um, Moby Dick. There are now going to be multiple adaptations of Mo- Moby Dick in the next couple of years. Probably both of them in in 2014. Uh, one of them from the guy who wrote Contraband. He's making a script for Tamir Bekman, Bekmanvatov, the hardest name to say, uh, the Russian guy who did Wanted and all of that. Um, and a movie we'll see next week. Uh, oh, yeah. Wow. That's next week. Man. Um, which that guy, he's a very visual and very. Like, bombastic director. Him doing Moby Dick sounds like maybe the worst idea I've ever heard. Um, or you can make it really cool. I thought Wanted was really cool. 
Yeah, but like Moby, hmm, I don't know. It just, it seems really weird to me. It's going to have like a giant, like a giant white whale with tentacles coming out of its eyes and, <laughs> and like horns on, on its spine and shit. Like, because he's very visual. And that, very. Might, that might be really cool. Uh, you know, I still get a kick every time I, I watch Wanted, and uh, James McAvoy hits that dude in the face with his with a keyboard, keyboard, and it says "fuck you" across the screen. <laughs> That's cool. Uh, the other one is a Chris Hemsworth movie uh, that is not actually an adaptation of Moby Dick, but it is. Um, it's based on "In the Heart of the Sea," which is a book about the the sinking of the Essex, which is the actual ship that Moby Dick is based on. Um, so it's still a Moby Dick movie, but this one is far more interesting to me. Like, just a, um, you know, we don't get movies about, uh, I assume that it's going to be fairly, you know, uh, like a time piece kind of thing like Master and Commander was. Uh, we don't get movies like that very often, and I will see anything Chris Hemsworth does at this point because I just think he's great, even in a bad movie. Um, and, yeah, so... That is certainly exciting. Um, did you guys see the uh, the little leak about exactly what the connection between uh, Amazing Spider-Man and Avengers was going to be? I remember reading something about it on uh, Superhero Hive, but I don't remember the context of the story. It, it wasn't as cool. Like when we heard that there was that they were the two studios were talking, the hope was that like there was going to be some shot where like in the background you saw some guy get caught by some web. You know, mm-hmm. in one of the big fight scenes, so you're like, "Oh, Spider-Man's there," but they can't show him on screen. Well, that wasn't it. It was actually just that the the, um, the CG guys were talking to each other, and they were going to try and post the Oscorp building from Amazing Spider-Man into the wide shots of New York in Avengers. Yeah. But it was it was like uh, just a couple weeks apart, where the the CG wasn't finished on Oscorp yet, and they had to finish the shots on Avengers, and so it just barely didn't happen. But uh, we at least got a a some closure on that story because it, it's still the idea that those two movies were going to cross over was really cool. Um, maybe in the future, if Sony ever lets those rights go, man, they we, never will. They won't. We, no. Yeah, no, they won't. <laughs> three billion dollars in and, three movies. And how can we even be so greedy? Like in the year that we're getting, hopefully a great Spider-Man movie and sh- certainly an amazing Avengers movie with, with all these movies that build it up, how could I be greedy enough to say, yeah. like, oh, well, you know, it would be nice if we could get Spider-Man in there, too. <laughs> you know? Um, it's it's a bit dickish, but... Uh, they should th- do it anyways. <laughs> yeah. They totally should. Or at least just, yeah, just let them. Like, yeah. let, you know? Especially maybe if the other mo- if these movies take off and Sony doesn't have to worry about the money, then maybe Sony will have a sense of humor about it and be like, okay, you guys can throw our cg spider-man into the background of your movie or you know what in avengers 2 you could have andrew garfield show up and say uh tony stark sit down and say hey kid we could really use you on the team and he's he said i'm really not a team player and you don't have to really reference cool. any peter parker you don't have to yeah say anything else just have andrew garfield on it yeah or uh i should make avengers 2 <laughs> that'd be the greatest scene ever at the colin ferguson panel that i uh, that i moderated um there, there was a, a joke in there because somebody asked him about whether or not now that Eureka is canceled, whether or not he'd show up in a different show. Mm-hmm. And he was saying that he kept pitching that like he should show up just as like, you know, Sheriff Jacques instead of instead of Jack yeah, uh, in some funny. other show. Um, so you could do that, you know, mm-hmm. uh, just change the name of the yeah. character. Well, don't even mention his name. Yeah, exactly. Except Tony Stark just to say something to him. All right. And the very last thing, I, I don't usually talk about rumors on here because it's just a waste of time. 
But this came across, and they've been talking about making a Magnificent Seven movie for years, like a remake. Um, but if it had Matt Damon, Morgan Freeman, Kevin Costner, and Tom Cruise in it, I would see that movie opening day, and it would be amazing. <laughs> like, that, uh, to get those guys into a, a, what I would hope would be a serious Western, you know? I don't want uh, some campy, like, hey, we're, we're having fun on the set here. No. You're not having fun. You're getting drunk when you're not shooting and, like, just telling me some serious story and people are sad in this movie. Like, I want a real Western, Unforgiven, but with seven dudes and it's that cast. Oh, That'd man. That'd be sweet. Yeah. It would, the it, Magnificent it would be like, Seven is what we called ourselves. We rode in the sunset. That's my Morgan Freeman narrating <laughs> The Magnificent Seven. <laughs> It'd be like it'd be like Ocean's Eleven, but a western. Yeah, is that not the oh, most that'd, that'd be cool. amazing idea Ocean for a Seven movie? in the Wild West? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, uh, but that as I was. rolled into the Wild Wild West, as I strode into the Wild Wild West, Brad, you don't have anything, do you? Nope. <laughs> cool. I'll make because uh, our whole show is you know pretty much comic books. I'll make the comic book corner really short this week. Um, I haven't done a Spider-Man book in a while because most of them have been whatever. Yeah, um, they're good, but not good enough. And uh, but this week released Brian and Bendis wrote Spider Men, which is a crossover between the six one six Spider Man, which is Marvel's canon universe, and Ultimate Spider Man. But the best part about this book is the first twenty pages are Bendis writing Peter Parker Spider Man, where mm. he's talking about how much he loves the city and how much, and then the city keeps on yelling mean things to him, and and he still has a sense of humor and he's being funny. And he beats Mysterio in a warehouse, and he says, "Mysterio, why don't you just you know lay down?" It's it's really funny, and uh, the book's really good, and the art by uh, Sarah Pacelli is really good in it. Um, how how long has has Bendis been off of Six One Six Spider Man for a while? He's never done Six One Six Spider Man. Really? Besides like Avengers books, he's never tackled it solo. He always has. He's done team books with Spider-Man in it. That's incredible to me. So, yeah. So, he's never done a Spider-Man solo. Because, of course, Ultimate Spider-Man is... Uh, I, don't, I don't want to say amazing, because that would be 616 Spider-Man. But yeah. it, it's he, it's really But the fun. book is really funny. I think you should, uh, if you like Spider-Man, you should pick it up. Because it's still pretty good. And um, Miles Morales doesn't even show up to the last panel. So, if you don't like uh, ulti- the current Ultimate Spider-Man, you don't have to worry about it too much. And, yeah, just being there just makes me... I mean, I like Miles Morales, but Peter Parker is yeah. kind of where it's at. So, pick up Spider-Man. It's and it's that, a really cool that story. That art is really amazing. iFanboy picked one of those panels as the, one of their fam- favorite panels of the week, and I stared at it for a while. Cause yeah, uh, Sarah Pacelli is a really good artist. Oh, it, it must take her days to do a page. Oh, yeah. All, all of the details. Especially the, the one they picked was this wide shot of, of New York behind Spider-Man, and I was like, especially after talking to Rebecca mm-hmm. Isaacs, I was like, man, that must all those little windows and everything must have taken forever. Yeah. Ugh. Make sure you pick up Spider-Man. It's really fun. I love Spider-Man. <laughs> you do. I really do. Oh, we know. Yeah. We, we figured it out by then. You know, you have, you know what wow. story? Your wife's making fun of you. You know what story know. we have? While we're talking about Spider-Man, you know what story we haven't told here on the podcast yet? Oh, when how I got the death of Gwen Stacy? Well, I guess it, it's I don't want our, people to rob our, my house. It's <laughs> <laughs> just kidding. It's in our uh, end of day. Yeah, it's, a, it's at our wrap up. But our first interviewees is a a couple girls who stopped by. They had another guy with her. His name was Josh. But um, they're in a group called Not Literally. And what they do is they parody. They take top forty songs and they parody them with Harry Potter themed song or 
I guess Harry lyrics. lyric themed lyrics. And when I interviewed them, I did not know they did this. And then they were telling us how one was a opera singer, another one was a, a jazz singer or something. Um, and then I put them on the spot and I said, "Hey, sing us something right now!" And they did an amazing job. And it was one of the coolest interviews we did with fans at the con. And it was one of my favorites. So, because I'm the host and I do what I want, that will be the first interview that we're going to listen. So, listen to the girls and not really the guy, he didn't say too much, uh, <laughs> sing on our podcast for the first time ever. And the group's name is not literally. Hi, welcome to day two, Denver Comic Con. I am Ryan of Thrill Nerds. This is my buddy, James. The producer down there in the headphones is Brad, so you can blame him for the delay. We are with <laughs> Not Literally. So can you folks tell us what Not Literally is? <laughs> uh, so we're a duo, trio kind of, if you include our director, producer, filmographer, which we do. Um, and we do Harry Potter-themed musical comedy and parody work. And we're actually going to do more than just Harry Potter pretty so soon. So kind of nerd-themed. <laughs> nerd you know, that's what we do. We're the real nerds. But see, you got a... Uh, what's your name? I'm sorry. I'm Ginny. And Jean. I'm Dana. Dana? And I'm Josh. Josh, uh, I love Harry Potter. This guy can't stand it. Oh, man, you had to throw me under the bus. Yeah, I had to. Oh, I was going to try and sneak by. On our podcast, they gang up on me when we review Harry Potter I didn't gang stuff. up on you. It's just that that movie then, wasn't very good. And then last year when I said that Harry Potter and Deathly Hallows 2 was the best movie of the year. Yeah, you put that over some He good still won't movies. let it go. Oh. Hey, but it super was, though. Thank you so much. <laughs> you know, and You're I welcome. still get it. I, I fully respect the fact that you guys really like that. So, but, yeah. do you I think you just deserve a better movie than those were. That's uh, what that's Oh what my I gosh! So I said that on the podcast. You, you know did, I did. You did say that on the podcast. He, he, he won't back away. Um, so, you guys, do you sing in these and do you write the music and everything? We absolutely do. She and I um, actually used to sing together at the Colorado Renaissance Festival for a couple of summers. We nice. were magical cool. singers. Nice. So we've been singing together for a number of years, and she was a jazz singer in college, and I was an opera singer. So we have a lot of musical background, wow. and we actually parody popular music. And most of what we parody is really like awful top forty stuff awesome. because it gets stuck in people's heads. And now, it's, now you know, it's, I don't want to put you on the spot here, Whoa. Dana, but oh could you sing a parody? But you can just sing a few bars or a few uh, notes if you want. The walk of shame, probably. Yeah, we uh, can, yeah. We can sing really? A, we can sing a verse of Awesome. The you'll be the first you'll be the first people ever to sing on our podcast. All right. So Walk, Walk of Shame is a parody that we did of a cappella of Simon and Garfunkel's Sound of Silence and it basically is wow. about uh, the kids of Hogwarts kind of putting in some after hours time in the other door. <laughs> Amazing. I am uh, kind of excited to hear this. In fact, I'm so excited. I'm going to drop my mic so <laughs> people don't pick up me like breathing heavily or something. <laughs> Hello, daylight, my old friend. I've gone and done it yet again. And in the early morning light, I see a Hufflepuff boy sleeping next to me. Last night he seemed cute, but now I'm thinking I was <laughs> cursed. But it gets worse. It's time to take. The Walk of Shame. Oh, that was, was amazing. amazing. <laughs> and ironically, it's not the only Walk cool. of Shame parody to that song that we know, which is why we flopped a little bit. Because <laughs> we wrote a, a, a version that was for the Ren Fair, and it was hysterical. That too, is amazing. So. <laughs> and I put you on the spot. 
no war- rehearsal, and you sounded Yo, beautifully. Absolutely. Thank you. I sing in the grocery store. That, you know, that was <laughs> kind of awesome. Where can we find you on Facebook? Because I heard or YouTube as well. I heard you have a big YouTube Yo. page. We have uh, we're youtubecom slash not literally, just both words together. Um, our Facebook is also not literally, and you can go to our website where you can find all of our social media links, and it's not dash literally.com, like with a hyphen in it. Awesome. So and cool. July first, you're doing the Hufflepuff Pride song. We are. We actually um, started out with a Slytherin uh, like house pride song, and we're trying to do that for all of the houses. And Hufflepuffs get a really bum rap. Um, they're they're kind of the butt of all of the Potter related jokes online, and it honestly isn't really fair. Like they should have something that they can be really proud of too. So awesome. we are giving them an anthem, and we're you really know what? We, we can't it. wait to do that, and we will put a link on our uh, everything so you guys yeah because we want to share because I love it and I love Harry Potter. <laughs> My wife loves Harry Potter. So we're really excited, and thank you for taking time to sit down with us. And that was amazing. Oh, thank you. I can't even yeah, believe that just happened. That, that, that was, was so good. amazing. <laughs> so thank you so much, and I we're sorry that it took so long. Oh, no but, but now that how talented you are, it was totally worth it for me. <laughs> <laughs> thank you. Thank you. <laughs> Thanks, not literally, for stopping by the Real Nerds Podcast booth at Comic Con. We really enjoyed your interview with your passion for singing and how great you sing. It's only a matter they of time were, before really amazing, man. we see you on, you know how they do those uh, theaters, those fathom events at the yeah. theater? They'll well, be on the screen and be like, oh my gosh, that was them. Remember when they're on Real Nerds Podcast and they're famous and we're not? You know who they really reminded me of was Garfunkel and Oates. Even like visual, you know, there was a tall blonde girl and a, a shorter dark haired girl. And they were singing it's Simon and songs. Garfunkel. Come on, dude. Well, no, 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 Ryan's no, no, not no, familiar no, with no, the no. comedy duo. There, there is a comedy troupe called Garfunkel and Oates, and it's oh, a couple. Really? It's yeah, yeah, yeah. Two comedian girls. It's two, it's two women who sing really funny songs. Yeah, Ryan's out of the loop. Yeah, I'm well, because the they well they sang a Simon and Garfunkel song. Is they why did. is yeah. why he got confused. Yeah. Um, anyway, but God, what if they really do cool. become bigger than us? <laughs> <laughs> that would be fine. <laughs> then they could retweet us, and we would get popular. They're talented. It's all right. Re- yeah. Remember us when you're famous, please. Remember where we, we played your song on our, our podcast. Just just yeah. remember. So well, I watched this week uh, a couple things. I, I rewatched Indiana Jones and the Kingdom of the Crystal Skull because we've been talking about it. Still not as bad as I think people say it is. I actually still enjoy the movie. Um, yeah, the parts are still goofy. But yeah. I, I, you know, even the, his, the, the nuke and the nuke town and him flying through the... I don't even think it's that bad. Yeah, I... I I don't think that that movie is as bad as people say. I think that they... Um, <laughs> what are you counting over there? How many times it said nuke? No, I was trying to figure out, like, because I, I was plotting what I was going to say, but since I'm talking now, I'll just do it. I was like, <laughs> well, you're counting in your hands. I didn't know what you're counting. Yeah, I was trying to think. Is it, like, it's a, it was a 20-year hiatus since uh, Last Crusade, right? Yeah. Uh, yeah. It's uh, 2008. No, no, no. no, uh, no. A little, little before. Like 19, 19 years? 1992 right? to 2089 no, was Last 19, Crusade. Yeah, 89. Was it really? Yeah. It's the oh, year I of thought... Batman and Lethal oh, Weapon okay. 2 and yeah. UHF. Yeah, 19 uh, years. <laughs> uh, so, yeah, ni- 19 years, whatever, 20. Um, so, I, like, after that much of an absence of Indiana Jones, you want, you want him to come back in something that's a little familiar, so you kind of want to see him in the era of fighting Nazis. Like, yeah. That's how I kind of feel. Like, I don't feel like Crystal, Crystal Skull is a bad movie at all. It does have its goofy parts, but it's like, if you're hungry for Indiana Jones, you want to see him doing the classic stuff. And this is just like, I think this would have been a better movie had it come after that as a story. I mm. I definitely have that, that part of me. Um, but the George's idea behind, you know, 
it's been 20 years in our world. It's been 20 years for Harrison Ford. It should be 20 years for for Indiana Jones. And 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 in 20 years of pulp uh, fiction between when they were writing those serials that Indiana Jones is based on, 20 years after that, what they were doing was space sci-fi stuff. And the idea that he infused it with that. And, I mean, you know, the Crystal Skull myth is, is a real myth. You know, mm. uh, yes, it's it's space aliens, but... Um, when you put space aliens next to dude who rips your heart out, uh, and God, um, I think that it, 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 I think that they are on an equal playing field as far as myth. Uh, my problem is that I think a lot of what was fun about the Indiana Jones movies gets sucked out when you rely on CG as much as that movie does. And when you, you just sort of amp things up and, and, uh, misinterpret what we loved about that. You know, I didn't need to see a whole bunch of ants eating people because, you know, oh, the snakes in the first movie and the rats in the third one and the bugs in the second one. Like, that's... I didn't need that to happen. That isn't actually a trope of Indiana Jones. Um, the fun fight sequences and him getting beat up and sort of his wit um, and him always being able to just barely get out of tough situations, That those are the actual tropes of Indiana Jones. Um, lots of bugs or uh, some some of the other just like ridiculous stuff that happened in the in that in that movie. I just it, it was just a little bit too far. <laughs> what the what hell? What the hell? <laughs> you Jesus you Christ! You scared the heart. hell out of everybody. <laughs> oh my God! <laughs> and it's still crawling around. <laughs> oh. <laughs> Why didn't you just squish it? Jesus Christ Almighty! <laughs> oh, oh man. Oh, Anyways, that's um, okay. Um, Ryan, that spider was here to infect you and give you spider powers, and you just destroyed it. <laughs> I did. Um, I, I don't know. I actually, I, I, I kind of disagree. I think the fight with the ants was actually pretty fun. When he was, uh, you know, fighting him, and pff, well, he's just running away from him. Well, he fights him, and the the crystal skull goes all around him, and they oh, carry yeah. that one guy into the ant hill, and they eat him. Yeah. Um, then they go to the, you know the river, and I like that three times Ma- it falls. <laughs> Marion is back in. I thought it was lots of. I fun. love having Marion back, and oh. even Shia LaBeouf is pretty funny because he always whipping out his comb to yeah. comb his hair and. I the greaser and jock fight made me laugh, and I love I love Mutt Williams. I love the um, yeah that that fight and like the car chase that ensues after it I, mm-hmm. is amazing. It is like that is exactly what I wanted out. And of see, another at the Indiana end of that Jones chase, movie. when Indiana Jones says, uh, "If you ever want to be a great archaeologist, get out of the library." Yeah, that's awesome. Yeah, exactly. There's there's a lot of stuff about that movie that I think is great, and that I think is exactly what I wanted. Um, it's just that there is too much. There's too much. Swinging with the monkeys, um, too it's much. Only like a minute. Yeah, b- well, but like that. that I, I honestly, I think that that entire car chase is really crappy. Um, it looks like the people are floating on the cars. Sometimes. Exactly. You yeah. know, whereas if they had just, if they had shot, you know, death proof style, a a real car chase with some real cars in situations that you know were not as outlandish as that, uh, it would have been more thrilling. Um, and it yeah. would have felt more like Indiana Jones. No, I agree. Because that's, I agree. that's the heritage actually, of those movies. You know, the, the worst part I actually think of that car chase is there's a couple shots of Kate Blanchett's character 
where the background you could totally tell is this green screen like the lighting yeah. isn't right in it yeah. um, part of me wonders if uh, with the technology they had they were trying to make it too much like a like a sorry what's the word for it pulp movie yeah, yeah, there's yeah. another word for it, blanking right now. Uh, but like a pulp cereal. They're trying to use like really high tech devices and technologies to replicate that style yeah. of movie making, because um, I feel like a lot of the movie looks like it's on a soundstage, but it's mm-hmm. actually a green screen. Yeah, you know, even like when they're sitting in the pit of quicksand, it's like the jungle ends five feet away. Yeah, but that's just you know it's a green screen. Yeah, and why can't they just go to a jungle? It's Spielberg. They yeah. have endless resources to yeah, do whatever yeah. they well, want. Well, they shot some of it in Hawaii, so I don't know. Yeah. 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 Like, there are some real location stuff, but still. Yeah, that's what I mean. Yeah. It's they, like those close-up shots. I, I know it's easier to film that way, and a lot of the actors are older, so, and getting all those people together is probably really tough, but still, it just, I know it's supposed to look fake, but the charm of the other movies is that they're, they're homaging an era while also making it better at the same yeah. time. Oh, yeah. Like updating its own technology, I don't. Yeah, yeah. And, th- and that's uh, fine. And, and I, I think part of it is, especially over the last few years, when Steve Spielberg has actually started talking about it, I feel like I watch that movie and I don't see him having fun. Uh, certainly not the way that when I watch Warhorse or Tintin, I feel like even through his visuals, I'm like, yeah, yeah, okay, here, here's Steven Spielberg really doing what he loves. I watched Crystal Skull, and and it's maybe been eight months or so since the last time I saw it. Um, and I, I just don't see that. I, I don't, and I, maybe that's just me bringing that. I'm sure it probably mm-hmm. is. But um, I don't know. Just the way he's talked about it, I, I don't think he he loves that movie the way he would like to. Uh, yeah. I mean, that's fine. Everybody has their opinion. I don't think oh, it's yeah. as bad as people think it is. And I don't think it is either because um, people really bitch about that movie. They do. But Did you ever hear about what Frank Darabont wanted to do with yeah. his script? And he uh, was supposed oh, to yeah. track down ghosts. So it was yeah. like a ghost hunting movie, which yeah. I thought was actually kind of cool. But... Yeah. yeah, it could suffer the same syndrome that Crystal Skull had, which, like you said, logically, indie twenty years later, like that's the yeah. pulp. The sci-fi was the kind of material they were dealing with, like right. at his age, so in the fifties. So, cool. I also saw a cinematic classic that I was really happy that I finally got a chance to see. It's called Ginger Dead Man Three. <laughs> Saturday <laughs> Night Netflix? Cleaver. <laughs> No, no, it's not. Where'd you see this at? Uh, yeah, it was on Netflix, and I know I've never seen Ginger Dead Man 1 or 2. So, so how did you know what was going on? Uh, you don't. <laughs> uh, I'm not even joking. The movie starts off as a parody of Silence of the Lambs. What? Um, they have a, a girl, not, not Clarice, her name was uh, Claire... Barling or something instead of Clarice Sterling or whatever. Starling. Yeah, Starling. Starling. And she goes to the Institute of Homicidal Baked Goods. And no, inside this no, Institute doesn't. of Homicidal Baked Goods no. is the Ginger Dead Man and a cream puff that's French and kills people. Uh, I don't even remember the other ones. A croissant <sighs> who kills people. And there's one of them like th- th- throw bodily fluids at her. Uh, the cream puff does, yes. Oh gosh, but uh, oh right, because it's a cream puff. Yeah, oh, that's gross. And I, I can't even. So she, she literally goes in there, and she's trying to figure out 
I don't even know what she's doing there talking to the ginger dead man. Yeah. But somehow he gets out and he's this terrible puppet that is the size of a gingerbread cookie. And he's... But he's, like a hand puppet? Yeah, like a hand like puppet. Like there's a hand. Oh, Yeah, wow. but it has really terrible like face and it's not... An, uh, like You could tell it's like some dude cut foam to look like a gingerbread man, put some eyes on it that blinked and moved his hand to talk. And... Uh, <laughs> Laura, Laura's seen the first one. Uh, yeah, Gary Busey was not in this one because the ginger dead man talked like this. He's like, no, I got to get out of here. Well, fuck that. And he, uh, he, he's, uh, as he's running through this, um, sounds like a trauma movie. He's running through <laughs> this institute that happens to have a time travel machine. And he gets sent back in time to a roller skating rink <laughs> Wait. that. It, he went back like to the seventies to the seventies. No, like thirty years to the seventies. Oh, okay. And he's in a roller skating rink, and they're having like a dance off. And then it goes into a Carrie parody, where the girl's name is Cherry, and she has telekinesis powers. Uh, I, yeah, I, I I kept on watching it, <laughs> and um, so because I'm waiting for some like cool kills, and like not really. Or this one did anything worthwhile? Yeah, this. This one dude's taking a piss, and the ginger dead man cuts off his ankles until they break. And then he pulls out guns and knives from somewhere. He just How does he hold them? Because he's a puppet. Like, he's got hands. Oh, uh, yeah, like... yeah, yeah. And then they keep on recycling the same CG high shot of him running across the disco floor. And it's always like, boom, 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 boom. And you just see his feet running across. And they they recycle that shot maybe 10, 15 times. Oh, wow. And uh, it gets better. Um, so he's killing all these people, and uh, at the end, these kids find his remote control that goes back in time, and the kids go away for a while, and then they come back, and they brought friends with them. They brought Adolf Hitler, Lizzie Borden, Charles Manson, <laughs> Jeffrey Dahmer, and their whole point is to kill the gingerbread man by ripping him apart and putting him in a cookie jar, uh, and uh, yeah. And then, Wait. and then these kids' idea was to go get not like the bravest or strongest no, exactly. or most heroic people of all time, but the most psychotic, unreliable, uncontrollable maniacs of all time. Exactly, and it didn't make any to sense bring because them to eat a cookie. And why would they only attack the ginger dead man? It didn't make any sense. <laughs> um, and then they, the the ginger dead man killed all these people on the dance floor with like electricity. And then the kid said, don't worry, we went back in time before all this happened, and they all just stood up like they, their souls left and came. I, dude, I don't what? know why I watched this. I actually would love to see the scenes that they obviously didn't shoot where, like, the kids go to Hitler and are like, we would <laughs> like you to come to 1990. You know, we wanted to come get you because, of course, you lose World War II. We're going to come. We want to take you to 1998, maybe 2006. When was the movie made? Probably 2010. Oh, gosh. It's pretty new. Um, we're going to take you to the 2010, and we want you to kill a cookie. And I no, would love to see his No, the reaction. cookie is in the 70s. Remember, he's a... Oh, that's right. He's that's at right. a disco. Saturday Night Cleaver, guys. Uh, yeah. <laughs> so I would love to see his reaction when he's like, oh, yeah, I'd, I'd love to come to the future and help you with whatever bullshit you're talking about. I have... No ulterior motives to, you know, take over the world again in yeah, the so, future. And that would be a great movie, though. Yeah, so I guess my new thing is I find some terrible movie, horror movie on Netflix and force myself to watch it. <laughs> so thanks, Killing and Ginger Dead Man 3, Saturday Night Cleaver. 
<laughs> you know. And the last thing I watched was I got Game of Shadows, Sherlock Holmes. And uh, I watched it actually twice. I watched it with Robert Downey Jr. hosting uh, Maximum Movie Mode, which if you know, it's my favorite fe- feature on Blu-rays. If you watch Blu-rays, what they do is the movie will be playing and all of a sudden it'll, it'll, the scene will still be going. But then like in the Game of Shadows, Robert Downey Jr. like comes walking forward and he says, hi, I'm Robert Downey Jr. I'm supposed to talk to you about this movie, but how you doing? You looking good? Yeah, great. Well... I'll be back, and then it goes right back to the movie, <laughs> and then he come he he comes back when uh, he fights those guys at the beginning, and he, he actually tells a lot about the genesis for the story, and uh, I, he's really involved in the story, and he uh, he's obviously the inspiration was for the first time Holmes met Moriarty, Moriarty and they fought and they fell in the waterfall and um, things like that. So it's really cool. Uh, I, I liked the movie, and seeing it with the maximum movie mode is always really cool. Would you say the maximum movie mode is better than a commentary? Like if it were oh, just yeah, Robert Downey Jr. doing a commentary? Well, would that... I, I guess not, because if you did a commentary, you'd be talking through the whole movie. Yeah. But the cool thing uh, about maximum movie mode, too, is so they'll have a scene, like, case in point, the when they go to the auction and they're talking, uh, Robert Downey Jr. and uh, Rachel McAdams. Yeah, and on the screen will be the movie, and then in the bottom right they'll have the shot without any um, CGI or any um, of the little extras they have in it. So they'll have like a second screen, and you can see how the process of them making the movie happens. Uh, the part where they meet Stephen Fry, his brother, and they uh, they're in that car. They'll have the bottom shot. Like it's all green screen, and it's just those three guys walking through the little set, and it's pretty interesting. Um, but I wish, yeah, it would be funnier if he was on the whole commentary. But yeah, but it's it's a cool thing they do. Cool, and that's it. Brad, what did you watch this week? Uh, not a lot. I was preparing for Comic Con, so yeah, that I, that um, I understand. I uh, I just uh, kept watching the Batman the animated series episodes, and nice. I'd play, I'd hit play all, fall asleep during the first one, and so <laughs> uh, the next night I put on that same one again to rewatch it, fall asleep through it again. <laughs> Uh, yeah. Try it again the next night. Get maybe two ahead. Fall asleep during the third one. So yeah, I'm still on disc two of the first volume. <laughs> wow, <laughs> made a lot of progress in yeah. a week. Yeah, uh, yeah. We talked about it before the episodes are really good. Oh yeah, um, yeah. yeah. Uh, I don't know if I did I talk about the Two Face episode last week. Yeah. Yes. You, you said you're gonna watch it. You haven't watched it yet. Yeah, I've, I've, I finally got through all the way through both parts. And like I said, I wish there was a premium. HBO Batman, HBO yeah. quality Batman show, not necessarily on HBO. Yeah, I don't want an HBO Batman. They will put too many boobs in it. I, that sounds weird. Oh, I know. dude, but Bruce Wayne slays chicks. Yeah, he does. No, I don't want that Bruce Wayne. <laughs> I don't want, like... He's got to do something to round out 13 episodes. <laughs> <laughs> Can't just be in a cowl the whole time. Can't just, you know, uh, capture one villain an episode. Nobody wants that. Um, I forgot there were some other episodes that were uh, really goofy, like... Uh, Bruce Wayne is trying to track down where these missing um, homeless shelter workers are disappearing to. Um, and he en- ends up getting knocked out and taken to where they're going to. He loses his memory uh, okay. in the process. It's like a worker's camp. I remember that one. Yeah. And then um, there's this, the villain of that is just this big fat guy who eats a lot. And he tells everyone that they're they're lazy and they need to work harder. And like, I want double gold. And he's like munching on a chicken leg the whole time. <laughs> it's like, this guy's villainous power is that he's fat. And super hungry. Um, <laughs> I do remember that one. Yeah, and then there's a there's a really good one with the Joker where um, 
the mayor vows to like rid the city of crime or whatever and he hates batman's vigilante antics and then the joker uh, oh he says like batman is just as worse just as bad as all the villains like the joker and the joker's watching the news and he's like compare me to batman how dare you so he shows up to the uh mayor's son's birthday party oh, yeah, that one's and great. tries to kill all the debutantes <laughs> uh and then the kid ends up like like getting interested in the joker like oh the joker's like a cool guy that it, you know i should be friends with so he sneaks into the joker's uh ice cream truck and follows him back and when the joker finds out he's following him back he's like starts training training him to be his protege and then of course obviously the kid learns that he's made a horrible mistake and <laughs> luckily batman that was is a great one tracking Do, him down the whole time does he take him back is that the one where he goes back to the carnival yeah yeah that is a great episode yeah. So uh, I didn't talk about this last week when we talked about this, but there is a there's a snippet of information that I learned from well, or at least I think I learned from uh, that show that has haunted me my entire life, which is that there's an episode where um, you end up finding out that the scarecrow has captured him and has had him the whole time, but it's this episode where like Bruce Wayne isn't Batman, like he doesn't know what, he can't figure it out, but he's going through life and he isn't Batman. Nothing, no, none of the bat stuff is where it's supposed to be. Uh, and he can't figure it out. And at the end, he realizes that Scarecrow has got him, like, uh, asleep. And he's, like, torturing him and doing stuff to him. Or at least I'm pretty sure it was Scarecrow. I haven't seen that it in a long vague, time. That sounds vaguely familiar. I might have watched that. Yeah. But uh, it's not been on the episodes I've watched yet. But, but the thing is, at the end, or one of the things that he that helps him realize it is that in a dream, you can't understand words. Like, you can't read words in a oh, dream. Oh, yeah. yeah. I have seen the episode. And that... I took that as a true thing, and I've been like living my life by the yeah. fact. Yeah. Oh my god! So you when and I have had the same life, when I do see words in my dreams, I'm like, "How can that be?" They said on Batman the Animated Series, "That's not possible." I, I actually, <laughs> I, yeah, I actually wake myself up if I have a dream where I start to see actual words. I will realize that I think they're starting to form words, and then they will jumble themselves like they do in that episode, and then I'll wake up. It's honestly, it's happened to me dozens Look of times. Look what cartoons have life. done to our minds. <laughs> yeah, it's, it's crazy. Altered our subconscious. Oh yeah. man! And yeah, it's bugged me my whole life. I assume it's not true because I've never seen it anywhere else. I've looked it up on the internet. Yeah. Um, but it sounds so true. Like that's what's so cool about it. It yeah. sounds like something. <laughs> it was so convincing that could in that episode. True. Yeah. Like if Batman says it, it must be true. <laughs> yeah. Well, it, it sounds like you know, like yeah, oh well, that part of your brain is off. Kevin Conroy you know? just has the most amazing voice. <laughs> and it's the voice of reason. Mm. Yeah. No, I do remember the episode too. Because he like the... opens a newspaper or something. And yeah, can't exactly. Read it. Yeah. And then all the words are jumbled. He's yeah. like, "What's going on?" <laughs> cool. uh, and then there's like the way they introduce some of the characters, like in their timeline. Harvey Dent is dating Pamela Isley, and mm-hmm. then that's her whole introduction to the series is, you know, she tries to kill Harvey Dent, and then uh, a bunch of characters like Scarecrow, uh, Poison Ivy, obviously Two-Face comes along pretty soon um, after that. Like, I, w- I always just remember them always already being villains. Like, mm-hmm. the Joker is already a villain. But I guess also because of their volume sets, all the episodes are out of order. So mm, maybe, yeah. yeah. Why did they do that? That's weird. I know that's annoying. Yeah. Now I got to go online and figure out how they aired and (laughs) start watching them that way. Um, And then I also got a chance to finally see one of the movies I've been waiting all years all year to see, and that was Moonrise Kingdom. Oh, that's That's right. right. Yeah, Yeah. I forgot about that. Um, And it has become 
my favorite movie of the year. Shocking. So far. <laughs> oh, really? Is it that shocking? <laughs> no. I There's no chance it could have been bad? <laughs> uh, no, there was no, definitely no. a chance it could have been good, but the word coming out of it was, you know. Yeah, the, I'm not that shocked. The, the reviews online were, were pretty amazing. Yeah, already, it's pretty so. good. Um, um, is it? I have heard rumor that there is some, uh, that is, it's something of an allegory about film and filmmaking. Is that true? Um, that's something I did not catch or okay. if I had, I don't think it was I something to I, it. I just gleaned it a little bit from an article that I didn't want to read cause I didn't want spoilers, but, uh, I, I could just be completely misinterpreting that, but yeah, I don't know. I have to think about it. Um, t- uh, to me, I just kind of saw the movie on the surface as this cute story of two children who, f- you know, fall for each other yeah. and how the town, um, like they had, like the boy has no parents cause he's, he's an orphan and the troop that he, the scout troop that he is in doesn't like him. So that's why he wants to run away. And then this girl has some screwed up parents, uh, Francis McDormand and Bill Murray, um, are like passive aggressive to each other so much that it's, you know, fracturing their kids' lives. Yeah. And, and but they're supposed to be these super smart lawyers that can handle anything except their own marriage. And then, um, Bruce Willis is this lonely police officer, the only one on the island, um, who's just kind of given up on life because everything hasn't worked out for him. And he's, you know, sleeping with the mom. And that's why there's like this unspoken destruction in the family. Mm-hmm. Um, so through these two kids running away together, it kind of brings everyone together um, to kind of solve everyone's problems and, uh, Eventually cool. they realize like like why are we trying to go after these kids because like what is wrong with them loving each other? Like we're just following these pre programmed things like, oh we gotta go save like our kids are lost, we gotta go save them, but it's probably better off for those two kids that they <laughs> just go off on their own and yeah. um kind of prove it that way and it's really sweet how it wraps up, like Cool. Um you think it's gonna go one way and then it's like, Oh, of course. That's how it should be for them. Very and, uh, cool. It's a it's a very sweet movie, and I recommend it highly. I'm gonna have check to check it out. It out. Yeah, I'm have to check it out at some point. And of course, that same day they were playing the Royal Tenenbaums at the Esquire. So did you see that? I too? saw that a couple hours later. Cool. Yeah, and still of course, good. That's a classic. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> um, very cool. Yeah. So anyway, James, what did you see? Um. Well, early last week I saw the Last Waltz on Blu-ray. Uh, which is the Martin Scorsese movie about the band. It's about um, when the band was deciding to break up. Wait, which band? The the, the band. Uh, what are you talking about? What the the band? You know the band. Can you be more specific, James? Um, yeah. I totally know what he's talking the about. Band. And I'm making him up. Yeah. Um, <laughs> There's so a band the f- called the band. Yes, yes, and they're at the show. That's arrogant. The band is the band is at the show, but who isn't here? Um, uh, so yeah, when the band was breaking up, they did this last show, which they referred to as the Last Waltz, um, and they got all of their cool friends to be on to be in it: Eric Clapton, um, Bob Dylan, uh, Neil Diamond, a whole bunch of amazing uh, performers. Um, and it's directed by Martin Scorsese, but that doesn't really matter because it's all it's basically a concert film really like he does some little bits of of interview but that maybe my my biggest disappointment about it is that he doesn't really talk about the band or 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 
you know, tell any of their stories or anything like that. Like there, there's some fun moments in it, but mostly it's just the music is really good, man. Um, some of it's not amazing. Some of it doesn't quite hold up, but, uh, and unfortunately it's one of the worst performances from Bob Dylan I've seen. Um, he's not good live. I think he's terrible. Yeah. Well, and it was during his really druggy years. And so you could just sort of tell that he got up there and was just sort of mum, you know, it just wasn't great. Uh, Eric Clapton did, Eric Clapton was about the same. Like Eric Clapton was good because Eric Clapton is always good, but it was the same kind of thing. My dad was really disappointed by it because he's like, you could tell he's on drugs and not really yeah. there. I um, saw him about eight years ago. Um, a friend of mine got tickets uh, for us when I worked at Outback. Mm-hmm. And uh, here I'll, I'll I'll do my Bob Dylan for everybody. Um, oh, good. So let's say he's introducing next song. The next song is um, I really put Anyway, let's just not do it. <laughs> You're like, wait, this sounds yeah. like every other song that he's ever made. I, I love Bob Dylan in his like folk years. I love know? Bob Dylan as a songwriter, um, as a singer. I, he can yeah. go away. <laughs> <laughs> uh, the big one was like, ju- actually, just the guys in the actual band. Like those guys were amazing. Uh, there's a there's one song they do with Van Morrison that is absolutely amazing, and I hadn't listened to the band in years. Um, and what I had listened to was mostly just the greatest hits and stuff. And it made me go out and find some of their other songs because those guys were, were crazy talented. Um, and so if, if you're into that kind of a movie, you know, um, you should definitely check it out. It's a little ironic that I saw it this week since we ended up seeing Rock of Ages. Um, but it was really interesting. I, I also spent a lot of time watching Eureka this this week because I was hosting or moderating the panel for Colin Ferguson. Um, I wasn't going to talk about this, but it's over now, so I can. Um, basically, going into this, I I really hated Eureka. Um, it's a show that I think wants to be Doctor Who, um, but it's it's so it's so campy that it. I think it ignores a lot of its characters and and never tries to get any deeper. And none of the actual um, like adventures that they go on every episode feel fun or or um, grounded in anything. Are you gonna fall asleep? Like Brad? they just they just make as many excuses <laughs> as they can for the Are show. Are you gonna fall asleep? Me? Yeah, I'm fine. <laughs> I'm just gonna keep going. No, my, that's my, fine. You guys, are... If you guys fall asleep, I'm gonna keep going. My eyes are just dry. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um. But here's what I will say. Uh, when I had formed that opinion, I had only seen season one, a little bit of season two. Uh, and then I, because I was doing this panel, I skipped forward, started watching season four and watched almost all of, uh, season five up to where they are right now, where it's airing. Uh, and I think the show gets better, but I still will never watch it again. But Colin Ferguson is unbelievable. He is so funny. I will say so much fun. I, uh, I went to James's panel. Uh, you know, me and James are the only ones who went to each other's panels. My wife didn't <laughs> come to my panel. Um, He's so bitter about it. So I, I, I walked in, and I mean, the room had such great energy, and mm-hmm. he he was so funny. And I don't know anything about a show. Yeah. I've never seen a single episode. I don't even know what it's about. But he would tell the funniest stories about how he, you know, would leave doors open so he wouldn't have to use his key to get into the studio anymore and he got in trouble and they emailed him the videos of him like leaving the doors propped open and, <laughs> yeah because uh, he was uh, out of control and it was yeah. really funny and he's a nice guy and on the show i think he's really the saving grace and he almost um, stole james's cell phone <laughs> yeah because as a, as a joke yeah it was funny um <laughs> yeah, yeah it was uh 
but he really is like he is he's he's really funny and because he's the everybody else on the show is supposed to be a genius he is supposed to be our window into the sh- into this world but i think he's the only thing that actually ends up working on the show um so uh, yeah I, it's almost worth watching every now and then when it was on when it's on tv just for him i will say that uh, can i say my favorite part of the panel that you were at yeah absolutely so uh he when I was there, I never heard James ask a question. I missed the very beginning. And he's going around, and then James, about, I don't know, halfway through, turned to him and said, uh, Colin, isn't it true that you're now a producer on the show? And uh, Colin Ferguson stopped, looked at James, and says, you know what, James, that was a really great question, and I'm going <laughs> to answer that for you. Yes, I am now a producer of the show. <laughs> and it was just so funny because he... I don't know. You had to be there, but it the was, way he said it was it, just... It was a follow-up question. It the was guy, a follow-up. The guy before had asked about... Directing and acting at the same time, and I thought that was a, a, a it was it was interesting. But um, maybe I've I've heard actors talk enough about what it's like to direct the show that they're on before, and so that to me was not as interesting. But the the moment when an actor becomes a producer on that show, it, it was one of the things that I, it was one of the, my questions I had lined up that I didn't ask because. I wanted the fans who, of the show to actually ask as many questions as they as they could. So when I had that opportunity, I wanted to throw it in there, <laughs> it and it was funny. really interesting because basically what he said was that like the day he became a producer, when he came in the next day, um, every time he would ask for something or every time he would say like, "Hey, this is the way we should do this," it, it, it people would just say, "Okay," and then they do it. And he was like, well, "Wait a second, like my ideas haven't gotten better since yesterday. You know, I not nothing's really changed." But uh, but it gave him so much more power, and especially because I had made a, a little joke at the beginning about because um, I had told him when I met him that I had never done a panel before. In fact, what we figured out in the car, I've never been to a panel before. First panel at a con that I'd ever been to is the one I moderated. Um, you did and, a great job. <laughs> yeah, uh, I did an okay job for somebody who never actually talked. But um, in when he got up there, he asked, he said something about like, "Well, do you have any questions?" And as a joke, I said. Um, I really liked your work on Becker. Uh, what was it like <laughs> to work with Shawnee Smith? And he looked at me and he smiled and went, well, I'm going to go ahead and answer that for you. And I was like, no, because I thought, no, th- there are fans of this show here who want to talk to you about that. <laughs> They're going to be so pissed at me that I made that I made you waste two minutes talking about your work on Becker. But it was actually a really interesting epi- uh, thing because he, he talked about how uh, working under Ted, Ted Danson. dick. No, that's uh, not what he said. I'm he said kidding. he said he was amazing and that it was cool to work on a show where that guy sort of took people under his wing and really tried to help them. And then later, uh, now I'm going to make it sound like I had this all planned out, but when I asked that question about him being a producer, I almost at the end wanted to be like, hey, so you turned into Ted, Ted, Ted Danson. Because he said once he became a producer, he could do that for other people. He could, you know, when they felt like they needed something, he could get it done for them. Um, so I didn't point it out at the, at the panel because that would be really hubris but uh, i can point it out here because this is my podcast well it's ryan but uh anyway i so i watched eureka and i won't watch it anymore uh and the last thing i'm still watching david mamet movies um and i'm i found there's another fun actiony one that i could watch before i have to get into the dramas um and it's red belt which was a movie that came out a couple years ago uh with uh chiwetel ejiofor the coolest name in hollywood um and it's that movie about the guy who runs like a uh Jiu-jitsu, um, what do studio. you call it? Studio thing, uh, and he teaches cops how to do like all this defensive stuff. Um, 
and it, I, w- I don't want to say that it meanders, but th- it doesn't have like a strong driving force. You just feel like you're in with this guy, and you're watching as these the, a couple of different storylines are going going along, and they all sort of run into each other at at the end and and intertwine in a really cool way. I think um, it's actually really cool. I, I wish I'd gone back and watched the trailer again because I remember watching it and thinking like, this is weird. I don't want to see this. I don't know what it is. It just seemed like uh, like a, a weird offshoot, like wanted to be indie kind of movie, but wasn't. Um, and it's actually, I think, really emotional and, and fun. Um, n- not the best David Mann movie I've seen, but a lot of the dialogue is still great. Um so I, I yeah I would say you should somebody should check it out at some point. Yeah. <laughs> you were all over the place on your review of that movie. <laughs> I, yeah, <laughs> like, I, I it's not that good, that but all. it was emotional and it was pretty fun. Yeah, I, yeah, I really I, didn't I, like. You probably shouldn't see it, but you know I like the dialogue. <laughs> no, no, no. <laughs> okay. <laughs> you you so should are, see should it. we see this movie or not, James? Yes. Well, you should probably see it, but unless you don't want to watch it. <laughs> <laughs> oh man, what a week. Um, yeah, no, you should check out Red Belt. I I actually was, I was pretty impressed with it. it yeah, okay. it it, it uh, surprised me. I'll say that. Okay, for sure. um, <laughs> and that's everything that I watched this week, or not, or not. <laughs> <laughs> did you pick up on that too, or is it? Uh, <laughs> You're right. I, I did, as I, did, I was doing it, I, I did kind of like, yeah. tune out. I was like, I don't know where this is going. <laughs> <laughs> okay, but that whatever. Just wasn't me. I'm gonna let yeah. Ryan deal with it. <laughs> Oh, cool. Man. So this week we saw two movies. So the first movie we saw is Rock of Ages, and Brad, should people go see Rock of Ages? Uh, I feel like movies that are corny as fuck. <laughs> <laughs> James, should people go see Rock of Ages? Um, here's what I will say: uh, if you're one of the people who really likes a show like Glee, then you'll love this movie straight off. Um, if you oh oh oh, except wow. my wife. Okay, Laura loves Glee. Okay, I'll take that back then. Um, uh, wow, you're right, James. I don't know what she's she's weird. Yeah, I I I think that this show is very much up the Glee alley. Yeah, it's it's not really a musical. What I will say is that I think that there is some really cool stuff in this movie. I think that what some of the story that they're trying to get at could. So should people see it or not? Could be really fun. (laughs) I am actually building something. I am actually building something. But I think there's too much music in this movie. I think that they. Oh wow, I disagree. But go on. Yeah, no, no. no. I think that there aren't characters in this movie because instead they uh, they choose to go and get these songs that they think people will find toe tapping while they watch the movie, um, and then shove characters into them and adapt the movie around those songs rather than actually ha- have characters built on dialogue and action, which is what makes us interested in them. Um, if if they strip some of the songs out of the middle so that there were just, you know, a handful of songs, a song at the end, um, that that would be fine. Or, you know, in a, in a better world, it would actually be a real music. Can you save your review for after the <laughs> yeah. trailer? Are you going to tell us <laughs> if we oh. should see the movie or not? <laughs> right. Yeah. Uh, no, you shouldn't see this movie. <laughs> I'm sorry. I'm losing my mind. You're losing your mind. I'm losing you know my you're mind. just supposed to tell people to see the movie or not? Just start talking about the movie. We'll nah. explain why in a minute. Yeah. yeah. Whoa, I, whoa, hang on. Your cord is freaking out. I can hear it. 
Start talking to it again. Yo. So, something about something hitting something just made it dis- distort. Is better, it okay now? It's good now. Okay. Um, <laughs> I think <laughs> no, the movie was pretty cool, and for the most part. Yeah. And I'll tell you, I'll tell you why after we hear the trailer. So since we've already heard James's review of <laughs> Rock of Ages, um, the, the, the basic story is a girl from Oklahoma is trying to make it big in Los Angeles. It's a story you've heard a hundred times before. Yeah. Um, and the movie knows it. And the movie knows it. It, it, it. The movie tonally is really bizarre. Um, yeah. Right I, off the bat, like the, everybody's singing on the bus was just yeah. like, this is and, cheesy. And yeah. singing a song that they don't know what it means. The the what that song is about is not what she's doing. It's not, but I think they chose those songs just to fit the story, or they wrote the story based on what those songs could mean. Yeah, that's what I yeah, think yeah. it is. And yeah, that's yeah. My, that was my yeah. big problem. Yeah, and that's what you're talking about earlier. And <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, and you're right though, Brad. It was really corny at the beginning, um, because you have the the bar back at the bourbon. The Bourbon Room. Who yeah. is, you know, what what song were they singing? Uh, Nothing But a Good Time by Poison. Yeah. Um, as you're introducing to all these characters, uh, Russell Brand and Alec Baldwin and oh, whoever yeah. that dude was. Um, and then the girl gets a job there. And, and for me, the movie really didn't pick up until Tom Cruise showed up. Yeah. And the, there's, 
what I loved about his performance, and I'll tell you, is he one he he has a persona about him already, and so he's able to play this rock star really well. But when um, the Constance from Rolling Stone, uh, Malin Ackerman, interviews him and kind of breaks away who he is, uh, Tom Cruise as an actor is amazing because um, she hit a nerve with him, and all of a sudden he changed his character and became a real person instead of this rock and roll guy who has to have sex. And uh, it, yeah. it, was, it was to me, I thought it was an amazing performance. And then all of a sudden it got really goofy again. Mm-hmm. Um, tonally, and then then Tom Cruise kind of went back to it because he's kind of dark in it, where you don't understand what he's saying. And I, I actually laughed out loud a lot of parts when he first met um, Alec, uh, when he introduced himself again to Alec Baldwin's character because they got to start there, and he's talking about the phoenix rising from the fire, and he's going to burn the place down to the ground. It was I thought amazing bit of dialogue and uh, how they yeah. played it was really well. Um, but yeah, then it would go back to their love story, and it'd be really bizarre. And then it'd go back to Tom Cruise trying to refind his rock roots as Stacy Jacks, and then it'd go to him like trying to sleep with as many women as he could, and then it'd go to him doubting himself because of this interviewer. It, it was really weird. The movie it, starts out like leading you on that you're going to follow the story of this girl coming to Hollywood and all the people she interacts with, but it ends up following a storyline for each and every character so mm-hmm. that everyone has their own arc yeah. instead of just and hers. And yeah, hers and the guy she meets at the bourbon room is the big overall one, but everyone kind of gets their own due. Yeah. So, but, but most of their story is told through these like crummy interpretations of songs that makes, it makes all yeah. those characters what? so shallow. Um, and, and, and it makes, it makes their character building feel really corny. Because it's like, oh yeah, we're supposed to be having fun at this song that we've heard a billion times, uh, and but I guess try to get character out it out of it, which is where it falls apart. As a, I mean, it's not a musical because actual musicals were just um, uh, stories where the the characters would just start singing, and and the song they were singing was original for that character because it's sort of like what what they would be saying. If they weren't singing, you know. Well, yeah. the whole point um, of the actual it, the musical production on stage is just to adapt, like to get all these cool rock songs from that era into a musical. And can, uh, it's hey, not Laura, about the story at all. Real fast, which it, it just Laura, what? Laura's right next to me. Uh, because yeah. I I want to get because she disagrees that it's like Glee, and so I, I, I'm going to tell you what Rock of Ages is about. Actually, I'm not going to tell you what story, uh, what thing I'm describing. And you can decide if this is Glee or if this is Rock of Ages. So two young, attractive people are in love. And they're talking about, you know, whatever. And then for some reason, they'll say something like, um, but I believe in you. And all of a sudden, they'll go into um, Don't Stop Believing" by Journey. And that'll be the song they play. Or they could be sitting around, you know, a classroom. And they could say, hey... Uh, people are talking rumors about you and then they'll start singing Fleetwood Mac songs off of the album Rumors. So to me, those are exactly the same. What is different about those, Laura? Uh, well, first of all, the Glee Kids, until... Um, <laughs> shut up. Um, until halfway into probably season two, all of their all the musical performances were actually performances. So they would say, this week we're talking about rumors. These are the Glee Kids performing. It wasn't just thrown into the dialogue. And it's also I didn't like I didn't like Rock of Ages because I 
I do not like musical theater style covers of hair metal songs because I'm a hair metal fan. But that's what Glee is. Glee is worse than no. musical theater style. Balls. Yeah. Oh, Glee has yes. Leah Michelle, who is a far better singer back. than anyone oh, in, that, in Rock of Ages. I don't care. It's still crummy covers by not the actual artist. Like, it's very rare that a cover is ever good. Like, you have to... You have um, to actually I have be all a the very... albums, James. I can burn them for you. There's some good ones on there. No, there aren't. <laughs> I straight up will say, no, it's not true. Probably because most of the songs are not good songs to begin with. Uh, it's the same It's the same as Glee. It is. The only difference is that, like, because they have more time on the show, you can start to like those characters, and so you can like them during the songs, too, whereas this movie spends so much time singing that you never like the characters. I don't know. And I, too, I just thought, like, the... Yeah, yeah, we're taught we're doing this, honey. Don't <laughs> hand me the mic if you want it back. Not gonna happen. Well, and two, I just like the whole like love story in Rock of Ages. I was just like, oh, really? Oh Are no, you kidding it's me? it's crazy corny. Yeah, and like Glee, especially this season of Glee. I'm not defending this season of Glee was not good. Oh yeah, I'm um, sure that this season really took a dip. Like it's it yeah, bat in a bad way. <laughs> How do you know, James? Uh, uh yeah, I'm you know it it may have taken a dip. I don't know where. Where it could go from like an entire episode of Lady Wait, Gaga Laura, you didn't explain to me how that's different from Glee. Yeah, it's different from Glee because it's more creative. It's less creative than Glee. <laughs> <laughs> the put the uh, the vocals are much much better in Glee. Uh, the, usually, the musical stylings is different. It's not just a cover of the song. It's usually a different take on the song. Some of the, I, I will say this. I was actually kind of impressed that there were a couple songs that they sort of mashed together, and I was like, oh, they actually spent you know. They spent some Not time a huge figuring fan out of how to. I will, I'm stupid. just saying, I you know they they at least did something. I'm just glad they didn't do a kiss song because I would have vomited. I, okay, um, back to my podcast. <laughs> but I don't know if my wife is like in a different world than we are. No, it's exactly it's the, same, the same, dude. It's the same. The, uh, the one thing I will say, I think Tom Cruise is really good as the rock god. But I the do. the one love love ballad between Alec Baldwin and Russell Brand was pretty amazing. Mm. But but tonally, completely out. Of oh place no, I agree. Like, I agree. I agree. The movie was goofy as shit. I mean, there were. That, that's the thing. Uh, the, the reason I had such a hard time saying no, nobody should see this movie is that I, I think that, um, there there were times when I legitimately laughed at this movie, um, in the in the ways that it wanted me to. Oh yeah, like um, when Tom Cruise tells her to open her mouth, and he just sticks I, her tongue in it. It's just <laughs> bizarre. And uh, I even like. Uh, yeah. I thought when he remet Catherine Zeta Jones. Uh, she was acting so good, like he's the biggest rock god ever. And just by him touching her breast, she has like an orgasm and just he exudes being cool. One of one of my actually favorite moments is when uh, Julian Huff's character first sees him and her her faint, one of the coolest faints I've ever seen. <laughs> like she she faints from her ankles all the way up to her head, like just like rolls forward it was really good i have the same but effect on little, people <laughs> it's little things like that i mean yeah I, yeah i mean it's hard to recommend the whole movie because there's some parts that are really good and then other parts just say what the fuck is yeah. up with this movie i think they're trying to be goofy but then they're trying to be serious I, I don't even know yeah there, there were parts where i was like okay you're getting at something that could be you know in, in the same wheelhouse as that thing you do mm-hmm. but i would never ever put this movie anywhere near that thing you do mm-hmm. i mean it's and that's kind of what it wants to be i mean it really mm-hmm. is cool so that's all we have to say about rock of ages <laughs> i'll give her the mic i had more but go ahead finish do you want to oh. <laughs> what do you want what do you want to say about rock of ages no i was gonna like i i thought 
it was so corny at the beginning that I tuned out and I almost fell asleep. Oh yeah. But then uh, somewhere toward I think after like Tom Cruise appears, like Stacy Jacks shows up and he starts having all these funny moments and creepy moments, and yeah. uh, so there's a lot of humorous stuff in it that kept me interested toward the end. I think the end wrapped up pretty well. Yeah, I thought um, the third act was, was, was... And I actually liked the original music, and I didn't mind the mashups. I thought they were pretty creative. Yeah. Um, but, yeah, like, Tom Cruise really makes it more interesting once he gets on there. And then um, <laughs> the phone call between T.J. Miller as the Rolling Stone editor yes. and Tom Cruise yeah. trying to find out where Constance is at yeah. was just, like, yeah, the high point of the movie for me because their banter back and forth is just so <laughs> bizarre. Yeah. <laughs> Did you know on Mike what? <laughs> yeah. Oh. Uh did you know who the original Stacy Jacks was? Uh before it was ever on Broadway? Like when they f- when they first did a production, it was Chris Hardwick. Really? Yeah. Oh yeah, I did. Yeah. Yeah. Uh which I saw just a little clip of it. It was pretty cool. I mean, the sets are all awful, but it was pretty neat. But yeah, it's it's hard to recommend cuz some parts are just so corny it makes you cringe, but yeah. then other oh, parts yeah. are just well, and I, I want to say it had a similar problem when they did the movie version of Rent, where there are some Ugh. things that were designed for a stage and would not seem corny if it was on a stage and would carry much, much better. But when you like, they're sure that the scene on the bus at the beginning, I'm sure on stage has a completely different feeling. I, a lot of it felt like it was yeah. forced to be in a movie and it wasn't supposed to be there. Yeah, I kept yeah. watching the movie, sitting there thinking, like, how would this look on stage? Because also the environment of the movie kind of has this. Like stage, like the Hollywood sign, the whole cityscape feels like the CGI creation, but the bourbon room and the street that a lot of the protests take place on feels like a reality. Mm-hmm. So there's kind of like this, you know, pseudo reality going on around yeah. it that makes it feel like, okay, the state, the bourbon room is the stage production. It just has all this fancy gloss around it to make it look like the real world when it isn't. Yeah. So I was just kind of wondering, like, okay, how would this be staged? And there's a lot of scenes like with Russell Brand and Alec Baldwin um, that just feel like they're reading a play, like lines in a play. Yeah. So. Yeah. I have a lot of the dialogue I thought was pretty stilted. Yeah. Yeah. So it's not great. I don't think it's great. Yeah. So anyway, sorry. There's parts I liked. Yeah. yeah it's but I wouldn't tell anybody then, yeah. to see it. You watch it with t- for Tom Cruise. I love Tom Cruise. If it were on TV. I mean, I love Tom Cruise, but not, yeah. not like this. <laughs> I mean, so the- I, yeah. The second movie we saw was That's My Boy, starring Adam Sandler. Brad, should people go see That's My Boy? Uh, I love a good hard, hard R movie, and this delivered. Nice. I have a hard R comedy, and this delivered. Very funny. James? Um, traditionally, I am not somebody who likes Adam Sandler comedies, um, except for the ones that are more dramatic, you know, like, mm-hmm. a, like a Funny People uh, or a Punch Truck Love. Um, but I couldn't help myself. I laughed at this whole thing. I was gonna say you were I laughing just... pretty much throughout <laughs> the whole thing, like me. Yeah, I, I, and it's it it is it's really stupid. If if that oh, is not yeah. if that is really not your thing, just a, just avoid it. Uh, there's a chance it'll be like it is for me, where it 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 happens to be the one that just hits you. But um, uh, yeah, yeah, I thought it was really funny, and I think you should see it because it's. I'll talk about it after we play the trailer. Honey, we're gonna have the best wedding ever. What do you think? You look amazing. Uh, Todd, your old man is here. What are you doing here? I don't know what type of guy would miss his son's wedding. Only a huge fucking dick. 
I thought you said your parents were dead. Um, they are super dead. This is my old friend, Donnie. So you actually knew Todd's father? Of course I knew the guy. He was a... He was handsome, he had fucking great hair, uh, a Jedi with the chicks, went down on girls for a wicked long time because he was a giver. Oh, I wish I could have met him. Give me another chance. Get to know me a little bit. You guys have fun at the bachelor party. Don't get too crazy. Know your limits. We're having a bachelor party? This is going to be awesome. Welcome to your bachelor party package. Woo-hoo, motherfucker. <laughs> fucking last night of Pooh Day for this kid. What the fuck is this? It's water infused with cucumber, rose petal, and harvest sandalwood. It tastes like fucking dick infused with balls. We can't let tonight end like this, boys. We gotta go out. I can stay out a little later. <laughs> there it is. Unless, uh, Mrs. Ravenzell, you wanna whip them knockers out? We'd love to see them. Oh, but you know what? You are an imbecilic, immature, asinine, childish, caveman-like, hairy-knuckled, single-chromosomal, obnoxious, uneducated, ignorant asshole who I would like to fuck hard and long! So I'm gonna go put a dent in that. We're going out, boys! Ever since you showed up, Todd's been, I feel like a different person. That's my boy! I promise you, I'll never forget you again. I'm not letting go. I'm not letting go. That's all you. I'm doing it. Yeah, yeah, buddy. Oh. Oh. Holy fuck. Are you all right, buddy? Dude, I'm oh, trying to make love to my wife. No. Fucking naked people. I'm going to fucking kill you. The cool thing is, is Adam Sandler really doesn't do comedies like this, um, even though if you're a fan of him like I am and you listen to his CDs, his CDs are a lot like this, where they take something that's way out of control and just keep on doing it. You know, there's there's parts in the movie, uh, I guess he plays a kid who sleeps with his teacher and they have a baby. I'm sure you've seen the trailers and his baby. So, you know, he's basically a really young man with a, a child and he never grew up and it's just really funny. And yeah, he, it's the idea of like, what if, what if a kid raised a kid, and how would that, that second kid, you know, <laughs> react to his father? Like, exactly. Um, and basically, he, you know, disowns his father and changes his name and tries to hide. Um, yeah, and there's they had a lot of cool little winks in it. Um, my my favorite running gag throughout the whole movie is him pulling a beer out of everywhere yeah he's got one in his dresser he's got one in his boot (laughs) yeah while he's he's hanging on a ledge yeah (laughs) and he always has to like juice up juice up before he does something (laughs) on beer yeah oh yeah it is it's pretty uh it's pretty silly and you you can't go in with it expecting some crazy you know heartfelt thing but there is some pretty cool little things and the funny part is is he he that the movie takes because this actually happened in Colorado is a really big story mm-hmm. of uh, a teacher sleeping with a student and she was vilified and everything. And this kind of took a different tone where what happens that did happen and the kid became a superstar where he did become a celebrity and everybody loved him and but he spent all his money and he wasted it away and he wanted to get drunk and drive his Fier- uh, Fiero. <laughs> and oh uh, uh, yeah. Um yeah, I mean, really, the only scene that didn't work for me in the movie was when Rex Ryan was in there saying how much he loved Tom Brady and uh, yeah. Bill Belichick. It just seemed really forced. Yeah, that whole... They're yeah. trying to be something silly. And and the, and the setup, like, it has to be in there, well, because it's all, it's all of the exposition for all of the motivation of the movie. Um, but, 
it, it was just too much. Like, yeah, what, one of my favorite payoffs in the movie though is when Rex Ryan tells Adam Sandler's character Donnie to bet on this fat guy in the Boston Marathon, and he has eight thousand to one odds. He's like, "Yeah, put twenty bucks on him." He only has like twenty six bucks left in his account, and the whole movie goes along. And then, uh, spoilers: the last scene of the movie is him coming into a bar and saying turn on the tv because that guy's in the boston marathon and this really fat guy is out running ethiopians <laughs> in a marathon and his, he runs and he grabs a drink and it's chocolate milk <laughs> and he yeah. falls down and nick swartz and is this crazy cross-eyed hick oh, and he's like get up you fat fuck <laughs> nick swartz i think so good i think uh donnie says something like chocolate milk that'll make him like It'll re-energize him. That'll re-energize him, yeah. <laughs> oh, man. Yeah. This yeah. is the part where in comedies, like, it's all about the gag, so we yeah. have, like, almost nothing to say yeah. about it. Yeah. But, you know, the fun, the cool part is, is he, you know, um, Andy Samberg's character was so embarrassed about his dad, but everybody loves him, and because he's really charismatic yeah. and really funny. And I think one of the best things this movie has going for it is that it, it it's got really good momentum so that, it, it's constantly moving on to the next thing. So, like, it, if you don't like or aren't terribly entertained by the thing that's happening right now, they will move on. You know, yeah. Like, oh, now, now is the scene where they're introducing Donnie. Well, that's over. Now we'll move on to this part. Now is the scene where there's, you know, this part of the bachelor party. Now we'll move on to the next. But you know, they don't, they don't waste any time anywhere. It's, it's pretty lean. Um, yeah, I agree. You know, it's it, it, that's sometimes I think what comedies like that have to do. If you're not going to laugh at that, just keep on going. Just yeah. keep on going. Uh, you know, there's a really funny part about Adam Sandler's character uh, thinking the grandma's really hot. No, and gosh. so he, he ends up like sleeping with her and Vanilla Ice is his friend. And the next morning, Vanilla Ice comes <laughs> into the room and he's wearing her like uh, swimsuit old time swimsuit bottoms and he's like i'm gonna go back to fucking grandma or <laughs> it's just oh man and it's cool because i always thought vanilla ice was a douche and he they yeah. made, this movie made him kind of cool yeah yeah he made fun of himself yeah like he's he plays vanilla ice being vanilla ice and he's a washed up guy but i is we gonna like a bowling alley or something yeah or? but i guess in real life he made, he made a second uh living as a renovator and that's what he does now He's, he renovates things, and there has a really funny joke. I'm sure you, uh, everybody's seen the trailer where he has a new kids on the block tattoo that's stretched, <laughs> and Vanilla Ice had one of himself on his back that was all stretched. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> just things really like good. that made the movie pretty funny. Um, yeah. So I, it, I thought it looked pretty good, and I'm glad that it, it delivered. It, it's certainly better than any other Sandler, Sandler movie that has come out s- since Funny People, probably. <laughs> I don't um, remember what's come out since Funny People. I didn't see Jack and Jill. Grown Ups. Grown Ups. Grown Ups is pretty funny. Yeah. It was all right. Um, yeah. I'm, I I was surprised how much I enjoyed it because I was not looking forward to seeing this movie. But as I do with everything, I went in wanting it to be good. <laughs> and it was. Awesome. So we will draw names out of a hat now. Thank you, everybody who visited us at Comic-Con and filled out a raffle ticket. We really appreciate it. We really appreciate it. Um, next week we're seeing I'm going to try to see three movies it'll be Abraham Lincoln Vampire Hunter Seeking a Friend for the End of the Earth and Brave Ooh, I'm hoping that Brave will be the one we see Friday night but yeah probably um, and welcome to the first annual Real Nerds Comic Con raffle drawing we're going to be raffling off five things the first two things is from our sponsor Birdman Barbecue we have two barbecue sauces to raffle off and then we also have a Regal crown card movie gift card from that you can use at Regal Entertainment, which is United Artists. 
or Regal, I think, in Denver. Yeah. And um, we also- if you if there's not a Regal in your area, um, I know some of the con people from out of town. So when you get the email that you want, just let us know that you can't use it, and we'll figure out another way to get yeah, you a movie ticket from that area. AMC or something. And then we'll do. Uh, we also have Sherlock Holmes Blu-ray, but these are collector's edition still books, and we also have the Dark Knight Blu-ray still book collector's edition. Yeah, they're both really cool. They are. They're really uh, cool. Even if you own them, it's really cool to have these ones because yeah. they're cool cases. Um, so yeah, we'll just get right into it. This is for a bottle of barbecue sauce. Both are original flavored. Yes, there is a spicy one, but we decided to that you try the original because the spicy is spicy. spicy. So the very first winner is. Well, the, he just wrote Martin, but it is Martin at CosmicTimes.net. Cool. His favorite movie is Avengers, and I'm guessing his favorite comic book is Voodoo. Huh. So, hey, thank you, Martin, at CosmicTimes.net. You have won a bottle of Birdman barbecue sauce. I think I might remember him because I, I remember talking to somebody who, was, who said something about how hard it was to have a, a question on there about your favorite movie. Um, and he was like, well, I can just put the the one that I love the most right now. And he said Avengers. Um, but there may have been a few of those people. But uh, still, that's really cool. Congratulations, Mark. Yeah, congratulations. All right. The winner of our second bottle of barbecue sauce is Corey Boggins. And he his favorite movie is Batman Begins. Nice. That's a good choice. choice. Nice good choice. Avengers so, was good too. Yeah. <laughs> I don't know what. Yeah. Uh it's your boy 5000 is his email account. Oh, dude, yeah, I totally remember that Should guy. He was really cool. email addresses on the air. <laughs> I didn't say what part. I said it's your boy 5000. Yeah. Okay. Uh no, I totally remember that guy. That guy was really cool. Well, and the other guy that's on. all he had on there. I didn't have his name. Mm. Oh yeah, that's right. <laughs> So Corey, thanks. Appreciate it. Yeah, congratulations. This is for the movie I'm glad ticket. You won something. No, this is for the uh, Sherlock Holmes. Right? Yeah, th- this is for the movie ticket. Oh, okay. So this is for the movie ticket. I'm sorry, this person, you didn't put your email on here, but I love your favorite movie. It's Spider Man. Oh shoot! And don't worry, it was not my Spider Man kids that I liked. <laughs> we made sure we got their email address. Yeah. Oh, I know this kid, too, um, but sorry, you didn't put your email address on here. Favorite movie is Green Lantern. Ah, shoot. It might have been someone else. (laughs) Maybe. (laughs) Striking out here. All right, this is for the movie ticket. And Mark Lim, you have won a movie ticket. His favorite movie is Avengers. Okay, so there definitely were more than one person who just put down Avengers. That's totally fair. Man. And that's a, a movie ticket, so enjoy. This is for the Sherlock Holmes Collector's Edition Steelbook is the next one we're drawing for. If I can read and hold a piece of paper in my hand. <laughs> and a mic. Um... The, the, the writing, it's hard to read. It's like... Uh, Screw it. Write legibly next time. <laughs> no, 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 no. I, I, think it's, I think it's supposed to be Manny Wheeler. Wheeler's definitely the last name. Yeah, yeah, yeah. 
So Manny, Manny Wheeler. Wheeler, hey, you won the Sherlock Holmes steelbook. Sorry if we butchered your name. Yeah, sorry. Just couldn't <laughs> make it out. But you won, and we'll email you. Yeah, absolutely. And uh, the Batman, the Dark Knight steelbook goes to James Usley. <gasps> oh, man. And his favorite movie is the Star Wars original trilogy and Scott Pilgrim versus the world. Oh, very cool. Even though I was excited for a second there, I thought maybe I won. Hey, guess what, guys? You can follow us on Twitter, real underscore nerds. You can also email us, realnerds at gmail.com. You can like us on Facebook, and you can visit our website, realnerdspodcast.com. So awesome. Thank you for stopping by our booth. I'm sorry for people who didn't win, but we really appreciate you took the time to fill it out. Um, so all of us from the Real Nerds, thank you. You made it really enjoyable and thank at you. Comic-Con. Yeah, absolutely. It was so much fun. So until next week, bye. Wow. That's all I can say about Denver Comic Con 2012. I am Ryan. In front of me is James and Brad. And this is our little wrap up that we're going to do for the con. And it was an amazing week. Unbelievable. Um, it's it, been a whirlwind three it, days. It has. And coming in here, uh, it was really difficult because I don't know if we were, uh, we didn't know exactly what we were doing because I signed us up for panels and we never got back to things. And as the week started going along, I was getting a little more nervous. Because yeah. I put in requests to do certain panels, and it was just tough. Yeah. We, did, we didn't quite know what was, what was going to happen. Um, and then, of course, Friday we get here, and people start coming in, and it just it, it yeah. became but, something huge. Next thing you know, we got interviews with, with some of my favorite people here. I know. Um, some really cool interviews, too. Yeah. Well, I, what, what killed me, too, is you know we came in early on Friday... And we were just walking around, and that's how we scored two of our interviews with two people that we really respected yeah. in the industry. And that's Rebecca Isaacs and George's Jaunty, which we finally learned how to pronounce his name <laughs> properly. And the one part we were worried about, his last name, we always pronounced right. And his first name was actually George's and not yeah. George. Oh. Um, which was amazing. Like, it was. I, I went to bed Friday night, didn't think I was going to even ever fall asleep because I was so nervous and everything and then we we do that first interview with rebecca on saturday and all of that went away it, it like really everything did. just started falling into place every time that we had somebody over here it was perfect and fun um and handed out so many cards met so many cool people it was it was really fun i you know i, I i'm glad brad had the idea of sit down at our booth and just talk to people because yeah, that, that really helped us connect with people yeah. and i, I mean I, I hate you guys weren't talking to the booth it was dead so like when people saw us talking to people, yeah. they were like, oh, what's that? What's going on? Yeah. Is that person famous yeah. or not? And I, I think um, it started getting better as the, the show went on. Especially, uh, I mean, we did a lot of interviews on the first day. But when people recognized what we were doing, then they really kind of they sat down. I mean, yeah. uh, I have a, you know I have a couple of favorite fan interviews. I loved the Not Literally Girls, who are the Harry yeah. Potter singers, because it was so unique and so different. Yeah. Um, I also have my personal favorite, and this is just the fans, is the two little boys who talked about Spider-Man, yeah, but not only talked about Spider-Man, but they had a history of Spider-Man. They understood stories. And to me, that was amazing that they were 10 years old and knew stuff about Spider-Man. Man, if, 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 only, if only you had found your white whale before they came around... Because yeah. you, I didn't find the stuff that I was looking for because nothing here was contemporary, but you just landed it. 
I did. I, I finally uh, secured the Death of Gwen Stacy, a comic I've been looking for forever. And uh, I, I, honestly, I was really nervous the first couple of days because they were really expensive here. And I found an amazing copy, and I was able to talk them down um, to a reasonable price. And uh, I was able to score it, so that was really fun. Oh, yeah. Uh, Brad, what was your favorite part about Con? What are you taking from it? Oh, my gosh. it's My brain is just a bucket of slime right now. I, <laughs> I get, I'm trying to remember everything that went on, but it's, uh, it's just so crazy. But I guess as far as like coming to get something, I was I managed to secure a bunch of the Archie Ninja Turtle comics that I wanted to round out in my collection with, save one, number 40. Uh, they didn't have it, so I still have one more comic to go find on that run. And uh, actually, no, the best thing is I think that drawing that we just got of us. We did heroes. get a sweet drawing oh, of us man, as superheroes. Yes. Me, the supervillain, though. Yeah. Well, um, no, 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 no. You just look. You just got that angry. Well, face I guess on I'm you. like, uh, what, what, what's the the uh, hero who's like that? Uh, I'm drawing a blank right now. <laughs> Sorry, I, I've done We're tons of interviews. Anti-hero? Yeah, and I did uh, I did the James Marsters panel, which was amazing. He smells amazing. He was so cool. And he was so he nice. Got up there, I mean, uh, unfortunately, we didn't get the whole thing recorded and we may not be able to salvage sure any of it. But Michael um, Uslin. Uh, Michael yeah. Uslin. granted us an interview, a producer of the Batman movies and... Yeah, uh, we didn't get to talk to his son. Unfortunately, um, they were but never at the booth every time I, I went to. Check. Yeah, I think that they took today off for Father's Day. And that makes sense. Yeah, that makes sense. Um, so yeah, you know, yeah, it was really great sure. to him, and it was so cool when we went to go see his panel ahead of time, and then we sat down waiting for him, and then he walks in the room, sits right down next to Ryan to like drop his bag, and then uh, he turns like, "Hey, I know you guys." Yeah, yeah, it, it was crazy because right? yeah. we went into his panel early and we sat down and me and Brad went right to the front because I, I forget who was there before. Something about digital comics. And so I mean, there's no one in the front row. So me and Brad just sat in some random seat. And as we're sitting there talking, um, I look to my left and in comes Michael Uslin. And I'm like, oh, cool. And then he sat down right next to me. <laughs> I said, hey, Michael, we saw you yesterday. He's like, oh, yeah, I'm doing your guys' podcast after this, right? Oh, I'm I mean, it's not like I, I didn't have to remind him that we were there. And, and some people might not know who he is, but, I mean, he's so important to comic book movies, and he's a big Hollywood guy, and for him to grant us an interview is amazing. And not just that, for him to remember you. Like, yeah. He's I mean, that important was to just comics in general because he, he's gone around uh, with, it, with his college course that he did at uni- Indiana University. He's also, like, highlighted those artists and writers who back in the day, DC and Marvel didn't recognize. Like they cut him a small paycheck, but didn't give him credit. So um, he's done a lot for uh, just the artists and writers from the you know golden age era who yeah. are finally getting their due. Yeah, it's it was just it was an amazing experience and um, something I'll never forget because I thought we did really well and we had a lot of fun. Handed out a whole, yeah. I mean, we, we handed out a bunch of stuff. Um, we still have to do a raffle. Yeah. Um, so we'll do after this one. We'll do another wrap up show at, when we do our real podcast. But thankfully, no yeah. one showed up for the raffle part of it. I mean, so yeah. we have something to do it right now. Something uh, should be said about the fact that we kept wanting to do the podcast here on the floor, and just it 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 just I wasn't going to do one a day, and we're only getting yeah. it to at the very end because we were just. I mean, we're being so busy, and it's. I'm sorry, it, it's not just you know fans sitting down. I mean, it's it's artists and yeah. creators and. Uh, you know, and I even have a geek moment. We're walking back after I just came down from the high of doing the James Marsters panel, and I'm walking back through. I'm talking, and Rebecca Isaacs passes us. She's like, "Hi, Ryan." And I mean, it's just like it's cool, you know, because that's a contact you made. And you know, Michael Uslan told us take every opportunity you get, kick in the doors, go talk to him, because you never know when um, something cool is going to happen for you. Yeah, everybody was so nice. Everybody that we 
tried to to get over here was totally receptive. You know, mm-hmm. I originally thought like, well, you know, I talked to Zach Howard online and he said he'd do it, but probably we'd have to go over to his booth and so we didn't bug him or anything. And maybe we'd get Rebecca, but probably not George's. All of them were just like, I will oh, work yeah. with your schedule. We'll come to you. So it, it sounds amazing. Yeah, and like, I felt so bad with George's so too great. because we were trying to get Michael Uslin so bad. And then yeah. we ended up going here, going there, and we had to keep on pushing <laughs> George's interview around. Instead of being a, a, you know, a dick and saying, oh, these guys are nobody, he actually yeah. waited for us. He's like, how about you come in early and I'll sit down before the con starts yeah. and we can have ourselves an interview. And he was here for 30-something minutes. Yeah. Not he, just a, yeah. hey, whatever. And he was funny. Oh, he was I loved so it, amazing. man. And yeah. I, I, I met everybody I met here celebrities or whatnot were the nicest people um james marsters was so nice michael uslin was so nice george's genti was so nice rebecca isaacs was so nice and you know and it's our job to sit there and deal with these people all day long and they did and they did such a good job uh if you can hear in the background they're counting down the Official end of Denver Comic Con. Yeah, the Comic Con is officially over. Which means that the next time we will be here will be in 2013 with Stan Lee. And Stan Lee is a guest of honor. And, you know, we're one of the first podcasts to show up, so they said we're the official podcast. Everyone, even the Comic Con people, were so nice to us. So yeah. thank you to them. I mean, I know they took a while sometimes to get back with the emails, but, I mean, they're so busy. Yeah. And they could have just said you guys I mean, are nobody, but and, they and gave us an opportunity. When we're here and we actually see, like, the size of what they're hey, doing. Hey, buddy, I know you're wearing Spider-Man, and he's my favorite, but I have a Batmobile if you want it. Do we still have Right on. Oh, okay. Thanks. Man. Have a nice day, guys. Uh, Go Spidey. <laughs> so, yeah. yeah, I mean, even stuff like that. I mean, we're just talking and people randomly come up and talk <laughs> exactly. to us. Exactly. It's, uh, like, it's, it's just been amazing. It's been a, um, a really fun weekend. Hard yeah. work, but fun. Uh, and I want to thank my wife for uh, being our PR person and being oh, here all weekend long. Even on the last day, she really didn't do anything. Well, none of, honestly, uh, today, other than running around, like, even when I was here, I was hardly ever, like, going out and talking to people because I was just so worn out. But, uh, but uh, we appreciate it, and we had lots yeah, of fun. You amazing. So, uh, yeah, next year. Yeah. Uh, hopefully we'll be back. Oh, I'm pretty sure we'll be back one way or another. Uh, especially even if we were he- only here in the same capacity we are now, we, you know, might be able to talk to Stan Lee next year. How cool would that be? I'm just yeah. going to throw that you know out what? there. I'm, I'm, you uh, think you I, know? I'll go up and ask him. Well, you will meet him. We will both meet him one way or the other. That is for sure. Um and you'll wear it's your been. Spider-Man hat, and he'll be like, hey there, Spider-Friend. Yeah. <laughs> and I'll say, Stanley, I like you. You have excellent taste, and uh, <laughs> and that's all I want him to say to me. Oh, gosh. This has cool. been just way too much fun. And, uh, yeah, like like Brad said, when we start listening back to the stuff that we do have, and once, I, once we can, like, recuperate from what we've done, and I remember all the stuff that <laughs> happened, it's going to just blow my mind. Yeah. It's going to be We fantastic. did an interview with a guy who at one point said, I was at lunch. And my phone rang, and it was Joss, so I thought I should answer it. That happened. <laughs> yeah, that happened, it. and my geek heart broke open. Um, yeah, I, I yeah. can't wait to go get some food and get to s- some sleep. Yep, and but you know we're seeing a movie tonight too, and stuff to do our normal podcast. So, oh, and, and don't two, go to sleep yet. Two two other things. First of all, anybody who's listening to this who was a volunteer here or is involved in like making this happen, thank you so much. Especially the volunteers who yeah exactly. came out and you know had to stand at the door for two hours or whatever yep. and not be out on the floor doing what they really would have wanted to do. You guys are amazing. Um, yes. And then, secondly, anybody who is listening, thank you for for listening. Oh, yeah. Thank you for Um, listening. Thank you for seeing us. I mean, everybody was really nice, and we really appreciate the support. And, 
I look forward to entertaining people longer, yeah. harder, well, not faster, harder. yeah, stronger, yes, stronger, stronger, entertaining people stronger, entertaining people stronger. Real Nerds Podcast, entertaining people stronger. Oh man, keep All reading right. comics. Keep yeah, watching keep watching movies. Keep reading comics. Keep watching movies, and we will. You'll hear from us very soon. <laughs> and as always, bye, bye, and Brad saying nothing. <laughs>